0: This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey,
1: what's going on, everybody? Let's do this. A little Wednesday afternoon WST Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus. And we got a big game tonight, Winnipeg Jets and Ottawa Senators. Jets looking to be uh, quite a bit better than they were a couple nights ago in their loss to the team from the nation's capital, and we'll talk NHL Jets. We'll discuss the um, best and worst of the NHL trade deadline, North Division, and much more with one of the best in the biz, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. And then a little later on, around 10 to 2, for those of you watching live with us here on YouTube, and welcome to everyone that's already in the chat room. My man Feinberg is back. Well, uh, you know, we were so busy with the trade deadline the last couple days, we've almost spent no time talking about the Masters. We won't spend much time on that, but we'll get his thoughts on Hideki's big win, Will Zalatoris, and the very poor performances of some of the best in the world. Get some picks for the RBC Heritage Classic and also touch on the Blue Jays and maybe a little NFL draft as well. But, um, you know, focusing in on the Jets right off the top of the program and the Jets in the NHL with Mike Kelly as we get going. Um, great to see everybody that's here already. Have more... Remus, welcome into the program. Uh, More and more people arriving earlier and earlier every show. It's fantastic. If you're just popping in you haven't before, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And uh, while you're at it, hit the like as well. We always appreciate that. And we'll make sure that you know
2: when we are going live every day here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Remo, what's up? Uh, I want everyone to know... That I'm feeling good today. Yes, uh, you kind
1: of made you alluded earlier when we were speaking about some show topics beforehand that you um did not have one of your finer nights last night. I wanted to talk about the Jays game and a bunch of other things that happening. Um, Can you
2: update us on your current condition? First of all, how are you right now, and what happened? Yeah, well, uh, yesterday I told a story about falling out of my car uh, at Costco, and uh, my wife asked me like, "Did you have a fall?" Because I guess people were asking her about that, and I was like, I'm totally fine. It's just a story <laughs> I had to tell. But last night, um, uh, it was a funny story. I was playing with my son. Huh? He's t- 20 months old, and I'm, you know, we're, I'm throwing him around, and I'm, I'm spinning him. You know, I thought it would be a really good idea. Spin him in circles. He says round and round, and then he gets dizzy, You know, tries to walk, and falls down. Well... After I spun him in circles for a bit, it wasn't him who was dizzy. It was me. <laughs> I had a horrible headache for the rest of the night. I had to lie down at like 7 o'clock. I was like, I'm not feeling well because I spun him like three or four or five times. And uh, that was my night. I, I was done after that. I had to take Did- a couple of Advil. It was, was not ideal. I guess um, I know you know you're getting old when I you know try to spin them around have some fun and uh, it was me who ended up. What was up your up,
1: previous experience on going things like you know the teacup ride or uh, you, know, you go to the X and a few things that spin around? Were you one of the kids that you know couldn't hack hack that? Um, did were you a barfer?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm hit and miss. You know, usually you just get uh, get the spins. I don't think I I'm not and just in life in general. I'm not much of a barfer.
1: Well, that I mean that's good. That, yeah. That's good.
2: Yeah, just in Definitely. just in life. Yeah. I've never yeah, just, not usually. I think I, I yeah, it took me a while to get my first one out, but yeah. I have that paper bag
1: near you next
2: time you're good now. That you're gonna be doing that. It probably gives you a whole new respect for Cesaro
1: when he does that move in the WWE where he spins guys around twenty yeah. times in a row.
2: Yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I was not I was not doing okay after that. maybe I just needed a nap. Oh, a- Abe says in chat, got to remember to spin the other way after to unwind. <laughs> <laughs> these look at these great tips. Yeah, if you've got any uh, spinning
1: tips, we can handle those in the chat right now for everyone joining us live on YouTube. Um, well, that's good that you've recovered from uh, from the adversity that you went through yesterday uh, and you're back ready to go for a big show. This should be fun, and I'm interested to see this game tonight, Reem. Um, nobody seemed very pleased with the way the Winnipeg Jets performed on Monday um, certainly the fans maybe were on the uh, general manager but the coach after the game I alluded to this yesterday that was about as agitated as we have seen Paul Maurice in a long long time and after the program yesterday um, Maurice met the media and we'll all recall it he didn't want to talk anymore he said if I've shortchanged changed you we'll get to questions you know tomorrow And he was asked, I think it was Jay Bell from the Free Press said, well, you know, you've had a day to sleep on it, Paul. I mean, now looking back, how are you? And he's like, well, pretty much the same as you felt walking out of the building last night. So I'm not sure whether um, this was, you know, just Maurice, you know, it's a long season. There are many ups and downs, but trying to instill the importance um, of playing with, you know, intensity and desperation, you know, despite a team against uh, an opponent in Ottawa that's already out of the playoffs You know, after this game room, so I was looking at the schedule. I believe the next seven games after tonight are against the Leafs and the Oilers. And, again, I'm not sure that the results will matter that much as far as qualifying for the playoffs. In fact, I don't think they will. I think all three of those teams will be playoff teams. But considering these are, I believe, the last games between the Jets and these clubs, that if they're going to want to get out of this division in the playoffs, they're going to have to beat – um, I certainly think Paul Maurice would like this team to be playing together and a complete game and really competing and not, you know, sort of, you know, I don't want to say going through the motions. And listen, they just weren't very good on Monday night. Everyone admitted, everyone saw it last night. You know, yeah, they are on Monday night. You know, you had a two nothing lead, and then um, there, there are just many of the things that have made the Jets a successful team this year were not happening on a regular basis and uh and you know what Paul Maurice said they deserved to lose the hockey game they'll look to be better tonight and uh I'm sure it'll be interesting to see how the coaches after tonight's game because as I mentioned he was legitimately agitated after that game last night and Maurice is a master of the media you don't see that very often um but he certainly was in uh, that certainly was the case two nights ago
2: yeah, and I don't think it was I mean, look, defensively it wasn't great well, They gave up like 4, 5 Breakaways and Hellbuck uh, You know, he's able to stop most of those Except for the last one And we all know the easy ones He wasn't able to stop But, uh, you know, for offensively I thought the team looked okay Especially on some of those power plays They were spending 2 full minutes uh, Power play 1, I, I remember In the Ottawa offensive end Trying to jam in It was Anton Forsberg Wearing the Jets pads Jets legend really, yeah, who really shut the door. So tonight it's going to be Matt Murray and goal. And you look at his numbers. I have them on the ticker down below. They're not great. So I think this is a real good chance. And I also have the Jets' uh, numbers, their win-loss record after losing a game in regulation. That is also great. So I'm expecting a bounce-back game for the Jets. You know, maybe it was a bit of a letdown game for them after the trade deadline. They were definitely clear. Very clearly, Huss, the team was voicing their displeasure of the lack of an impact ad at the deadline on Monday. It was, it was clear to everyone. We all saw it. And now that the dust has settled, Jordy Ben's come in. He's wearing number 40. Uh, I think the team will be ready to go.
1: There's some amazing narratives going around Jetland right now. That was one that okay. was the case on Monday. And uh, let's just say I do not subscribe to that at all. Um, the Leafs stunk that night. Were they telling Kyle Dubas that he didn't do enough? Um, You know, the Canes lost to Detroit that night. I guess mean, they didn't do a lot. They did just trade Hayden Fleury to Anaheim. But um, you know what I'm saying. This is these, these are very unrelated situations. The one that's getting a lot of traction, though, right now, does come out of Chevy's press conference on Monday afternoon, talking about the fact that, you know, it was just Jordy Ben or just Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben was coming in, but many people thought. And he said to themselves they were trying for something bigger and then made – Reference to the fact that there are some young players in the organization that they would like to see at some point. This has somehow now been construed as a massive rift between Dayoff and Maurice. And I'm here to tell you folks that I think that is a a huge overreaction and stretching of the truth. Um, These guys have been working together now for, what, eight years? Um, They've been through way, way worse situations than this. And let's not forget that the job of the head coach for a team like this is to win hockey games. And, you know, you may not like the way Paul Maurice has gone about it this year, but look at the standings. Um, The Jets' record speaks for itself. And I have a hard time imagining the general manager is getting on the head coach when the team has earned their spot in the standings, will be a playoff team, and has, you know, obviously surpassed many of the expectations of a lot of people here in this city and around hockey with what they've done so far. So, you know, do I think Chevy was disappointed and frustrated after what happened at the deadline? Yeah, I definitely, I I think he is. And I also think that he was making a point of saying, listen, we didn't get what we had hoped to have done, but we've got some good players here in the organization. And I do think that the reason why you didn't see more deals like, Fourth round picks for Dmitry Kulikov or more sixth round picks for Jamie Ben is that if they weren't going to be getting a guy that they tried to get, which would be you know a real legitimate top four guy, I think they've got guys within the organization that, given the opportunity, will be able to to you know take care of those jobs as well as anyone they were going to get on the market. It's a huge stretch to take that to Chevy and Paul Maurice are in a rift right now because. Shebel off wants Billy Hainal in the lineup and Paul Maurice doesn't. That is a stretch. It's an overstatement. I don't believe it is true at all. Do they agree 100% on everything? Well, of course not. I would be shocked if any management group in the NHL does. But where we are right now, this team is in second place. They've got some big games coming up against Edmonton and Toronto. Um, I think that where they are in the standings will give them the opportunity maybe to rest a few guys and get some other players in. But I hope people aren't taking what we heard on Monday afterwards was that, well, we didn't want to make a trade because we're planning on sticking Billy Hanel into the top four and going forward on that. That's just not what the situation is right now. And, you know, trying to trying to 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 peg it that way, I don't think really is fair or honest, to be honest with you. But I do understand why some people are talking about it, because it was a comment that was a little bit out of the normal
2: shovel day off uh, book. I think there's a rift, Hus. They're they're feuding. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> Everyone knows it. Cage match <laughs> at the WrestleMania backlash. Shavell Dayoff came out and said we want to see Billy Hanila in the lineup. He can bring it. I mean, I honestly don't know other way. But it was interesting that he did mention Hanila. And you know, we spoke with Craig Button at the start of the season, and he thought that from what he's seen, TSN head scout, that Hanila and Sandberg were ready. You look at how they're playing uh, with the Moose. Hainala, he's healthy now. He's very strong. Was great in the World Juniors. You've seen guys with similar uh, pedigrees come in and play well. And so maybe they thought that yeah, he could uh, be an impact player if they needed. And maybe some of us are sleeping on him. So we'll wait and see. I do. I think he should get in the lineup. I mean. He's been sitting there for a month. We talked about it yesterday.
1: Yeah, Uh, no, no, for sure. There has been too long. I guess my point is, is if Chevaldeoff wants to talk to Paul Maurice about something, he's not doing at a press conference. He's picking up the phone or walking into the room or talking to Chevaldeoff and doing that. They they, they don't do anything publicly, let alone... you know, go back and forth in the media between coach and GM. So I think we just need to quiet that down a little bit. I think it was a little bit of reaction to the disappointment of some things they were trying to do that didn't happen and reminding people that, you know, the Jets are more than just the six defensemen that are playing right now and Jordy Ben. And I do think that we'll see Hainala at some point. And, you know, it might be because of injury where he gets the opportunity to go in and it'll be up to him to show that he's ready to go. But back to the point, it will be important to get him in some games, whether that's with the Moose coming up. I believe they play next tomorrow night. Um, or with the Winnipeg Jets over the next little while. Um, So anyways, talk about that. If you want to give comments, not everyone will agree. That's where I'm at on this. Uh, I don't really think it's a big deal. I think some people maybe are making a little bit more of it than is probably accurate. But again, it's a hockey craze market. Get a little nugget like that that doesn't come out very often, and I can understand why the conversations are doing that. Hey, saw our boy Nick. DQ Nick in the chat, Let's start off with them. Nick and Nikki DQ group, of course, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet Canada, our wonderful sponsors, Aikens Lake as well. If uh, I mean, it doesn't really seem like ice cream weather. We're always talking about blizzards and uh, dilly bars and ice cream cakes. Today might be a great day to pop by for maybe the uh, Ultimate Grill Burger. the uh, One of the elite burgers right now in fast food, I've always talked about it as the most underrated burger. It's right up there with the best. Take it from me. There's a few things that I'm an expert on. Fast food burgers, certainly one of them. Uh, and if you're visiting Nick and Nicky, make sure you do it at one of their four DQs. DQ Niverville, DQ Pola Park, DQ Saint Anne's, and the flagship at DQ Northgate. That place is always rocking, and Royal Sports as well. 750 Pembin, Ohio. I was talking to the guys. Um, I know you know you might be thinking snowboarding right now. This is gonna this will be finished in a couple days. Um, so soccer season coming up. Baseball. People want to get outside, get back in shape. They've got an expanded fitness department, um, and when it comes to merchandise. There is simply nowhere, maybe in Canada, that has the selection that Royal Sports does. So pop by, support our sponsors, Royal Sports, 750 Pemata Highway, 650 Rally and EK. And for you NFL fans, we'll talk NFL draft in a little bit with Feinberg. All 32 teams in draft caps. So uh, if you're a real keener and you want to get your hands on that, they're pretty sweet this year. They'll have those going forward. So the way today's show is going to run, we've got Mike Kelly from NHL Network coming up in just a couple minutes. Mike Always one of our favorite guys to talk about. There's a really detailed analysis of teams, both from an analytical standpoint, but also one of the best in the biz when it comes to breaking down video. Um, And he had a couple pieces as well about the Jets' improved defense earlier in February. We'll talk a little bit about what he's seen from the club, what he... Things that they maybe should have done that they didn't do, but more importantly, how this team looks going forward and what the path to victory in the North is, assuming you have to go through teams like Edmonton and Toronto to get it done. Um, As well, a little bit later on, Jeff Feinberg coming up. We'll recap the Masters, talk a little bit of Jets, Jays, and NFL draft. And speaking of the Jays... um, what a game last night by the big Korean, my guy Hyunjin Ryu. Um, he really is turning into an ace for the the, the Toronto Blue Jays. And all you got to do is give the guy a little bit of run support, and you're probably getting a win. And that's exactly what happened last night. Um, near, I think, I believe six and two thirds for uh, for the big guy. Um, just a phenomenal start. Bullpen came in and got it done. And man, some defense as well from Vladdy Guerrero Jr. I um, saw a couple funny tweets. You can see them on my uh, <laughs> on my feed. Um, the stretch that Vladdy did uh, and made to get the final out last night was um w- was something else. Uh, I'm not sure whether he spent the entire time doing yoga in the off season or during the uh, during the pandemic, but I'll tell you what he's about 40 pounds lighter, he's hitting the cover off the ball. he's playing defense right now and the jays are looking good. and I can't tell you for those who are watching live right now, uh, the Jays are up. If you're if you've got this game PVR or something like that, uh, here's your spoiler alert. Close your ears for a moment. Um, Jays up three two in the fourth inning. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get to more Jays and some other things, but let's focus in on hockey. Jets and Sens coming up tonight, and it is a real pleasure to welcome back our good friend Mike Kelly from the NHL Network and of course, of course, the Point Hockey. Mike, what's going on? Great to talk to you again.
3: Yeah, you too, Andrew. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, great to join you on the show. i um, glad I've been following along. Glad to see everything is going well here. And uh, um, yeah, I was <laughs> talking to Michael or, or emailing with him. And I was I had it all set up and he said, I don't see ya. what's going on. Uh, didn't hit the start button. <laughs> so that's on me. Hey, well, you know what, for once it's not on Reem,
1: but we have had a, we've have had a recurring theme of asking a question, getting a great answer to start off the interview and then realizing that the guest has not been unmuted on the chat. So uh, anyways, we seemingly are off to a great start so far. In all seriousness, Michael's doing just an amazing job right now. I meant to give him a shout out at the start. We've got a ticker now, uh, which we've been using during certain segments uh, he even got all the lines of the Jets and Senators in, and a special, you know, there's, when you actually put the umlaut over Kim Stutzel's name, you know that you were really handling your business, so uh, Remus is getting uh, getting it done. How, how have you been these days? It's great to talk to you.
3: Yeah, I've been doing well. I'm just waiting for Michael to throw something on the ticker, like, you know, you know, today's guest uh, doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> I don't like his hat, whatever, whatever you're going to say, right? Just just totally get after your guest. Um, <laughs> No, everything's good. It's, uh, it's obviously been a, a busy few days. Um, you know, for me personally with, uh, the, the, the type of work I do with the company I work for, Sport Logic, as well with the trade deadline having just passed. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been kind of hectic, but it's, it's good. Uh, it was great to see last night. Some of these guys make their debuts that just got traded and, um, you know, see how they're getting acclimated with their new teams. And now we get ready for the playoff push. So, um, yeah. I'm excited this year to start breaking down, you know, the first round playoff matchups because for the first time, you know, in my lifetime, we're going to have such a big sample size of teams that played each other, right? It's not just, oh, they played three or four times this year. um, And it's hard to really draw anything meaningful out of that. It could have been a back to back for one team one night, could have been a backup goalie, could have had a couple of key players injured. Um, You know, we're going to have seven, eight, nine, whatever, 10 games uh, to evaluate how these teams you know, square off against each other. So lots of exciting stuff going on. Hey, uh, I
1: just, before we get to all of those topics, I've got to ask you, have you been in in any rinks this year? No, not (laughs) a rink. (laughs) Just a lot of, uh, a lot of hits from home and a lot of spend time in front of that computer screen, like everybody else.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is my fancy home setup here. I, you know, if, I knew, if I knew I'd be doing this all year long, I probably would have invested in something better than my kid's toy chest slash my bookcase. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get grilled by my uh, my wife, my family uh, on that too. So, you know, buy something nice to put in the background. So uh, hopefully we're not doing this too long. And and that, that is the thing that I've missed for sure. And I'm sure a lot of people that, that cover the game miss a lot is, being at the ranks, seeing all the other media people, um, getting to talk to people in the organization, getting to see the game live makes a big difference. If you're, you know, you know you're focusing on a player or a line or, or whatever, you just watch their shifts as opposed to what the television camera picks up. Um, big differences. So hopefully, you know, my God, the way that things are going in this country with the way we've handled the vaccine rollout and everything, I, I won't get into all that, but could be better.
1: <laughs> no doubt about it. Mike Kelly with us from Sport Launching and NHL Network. Um obviously we're here in Winnipeg. Let's focus in on the Jets right off the bat. A lot of consternation around here about the lack of real aggressive moves by the Winnipeg Jets at the deadline. They did acquire Jordy Ben for a 6th round pick, certainly not much to play, good depth defenseman, but did not um you know get the big fish that Kevin Scheubelday pretty much said that he really was working for. Um from your perspective on the Winnipeg Jets, they've had a great season. I know there are some underlying numbers from an analytics perspective that can be concerning, um, but they certainly have a great record. They seem to be poised for the playoffs. What did you make of the lack of activity from Winnipeg at the deadline, and how big of a deal is that uh, here for this club?
3: Well, I think we can all give Kevin Day off the benefit of the doubt for what you just said, right? He has gone out and made big trade deadline acquisitions in the past. If there was a deal that he was comfortable making, he would have made it. He's not shy to pull the trigger. Um, I think he's, he's got that track record. So you give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, that being said, Jordy Benya yeah, he's a depth defenseman. Uh, obviously Winnipeg, you talk about the underlying numbers and the things that can be troubling. It's team defense, but it's been team defense for a while with, with the team. So their their top nine is as good as anybody in the league um and and the goaltender is as good as any goaltender in the league you know andre vasilevsky may be kind of separating himself a little bit but but Connor hellebuck's outstanding everybody knows that it's the team defense that is kind of the red flag but as long as hellebuck's good enough you can overcome that um so I, I think, you know, when you, you look at a player like a, a David Savard, potentially, or just a, a good defensive shutdown type defenseman, that would have been the need, in my view. Um, and, and they don't get it. So we'll, we'll see how things go. But, um, you know, before really being too tough on Kevin Dayoff, I think, like I said, I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt because he has made moves in the past to make his team better and, and position them as well as he can in the playoffs.
1: Well, speaking of those deals, I- I'll be honest. I mean, I-, I thought that maybe David Savard would net uh, a first rounder for Columbus. I didn't think uh, the cost to Tampa would end up being a first uh, third and a fourth or two fourths. And uh, similarly for Toronto, getting Nick Felino with the, uh, and you know, having to give Detroit a pick as well to take up some of the salary. Were you surprised at what those players in particular were able to garner on the market for Yarmo Kekalina?
3: Uh, not, not really, to be honest. I think it's, it's, it's supply and demand and, and, the, and the market value accordingly, right? It's, it's which, which players are attracting the most offers. David Savard was a guy who, uh, was I'm sure, and, and certainly should have been coveted by several teams. Um, I, I think Florida really could have used him. I think Winnipeg could have used them. Uh, Tampa Bay goes out and gets them. And, you know, they had him with Victor Hedman, uh, in game one did not go so well. Uh, but the whole team had a bit of a <laughs> bit of a disastrous game that you don't see often from them against Nashville. So I'm sure they'll square that out, but um, that, you know, that's what you pay to acquire a player when you've got multiple teams bidding. It's, it's like buying a house. Um, you may think your house is worth X amount of dollars. You start getting multiple bidders. Well, now your house is worth more. So uh, not shocked in the sense, in that sense. And Nick Felino. For what he brings uh, to Toronto, I, I think it was a great addition. I, I, I so much value fit at the trade deadline more so than you know, the line that I use is it's not about finding the shiniest puzzle piece. It's about finding the puzzle piece that fits the rest of the puzzle the best. And I think Toronto you know, did that by acquiring him. So what,
1: do we, what can we gather about the value and the fit, if you will, of Taylor Hall, considering the return Buffalo got for Hall compared to first-rounders that were paid for other, um, shall we say, uh, less decorated players over the course of their NHL careers?
3: Well, I think the important thing to remember there is that it's not apples to apples. Um, Taylor Hall had a full no-move clause in his contract and could pick where he wanted to go. I don't know this he very well could have said, I'll only go to Boston. He very well could have said, I will go to Boston. Um, that, you know, that's, that, that makes it a different game right off the hop than if you're, you're dealing any other kind of player with, with no trade protection. So um, again, I think Taylor Hall, I think I don't think the fit would have been great with certain teams. He was rumored to go to the Islanders early on. And I, I didn't like that at all. Um, and, and on the surface, you could say, Well, Anders Lee's out, and he's, was, I think, at the time their leading goal scorer. And Taylor Hall's a left winger who can play on a first line. Gee, what a great fit! Well, that's not how the Islanders really play. Um, Taylor Hall and Anders Lee are very different players, so they go out and get Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac, two players that I think complement the way they play and fit in that roster really well for that team. Um Boston as a second line center, or sorry, second line uh, winger, you put him with David Krejci, a very responsible, good two way player. Craig Smith, a guy who can score goals, get open in the slot, be on the receiving end of some of these Taylor Hall rushes and passes. Um, I think that's a good fit ultimately. So, um, but yeah, as far as the trade value, draft picks, what come, what you get for certain players, there's a lot of context that is important that goes into that. And Taylor Hall is. You know, full no-move protection is certainly a big part of it.
1: Just before we get back to the Jets and looking ahead, uh, one more question on the deadline. It was the final deal that came through, and the one that was, I would, from my perspective at least, the most surprising. Um, Anthony Mantha going to Washington. Vrana, Panic, a first and a second rounder. Um, Just what was your evaluation of that deal from both sides? A lot of people love what Iserman did. I have a feeling Brian McClellan sure liked Anthony Mantha's first game and his look with the Caps.
3: He was awesome. Uh, last night. No question. And uh, goal and an assist, a really good chance off the rush where he inside out's a defenseman and, and almost tucks it, uh, tucks it home. Um, but yeah, I, I think what you end up getting, so you've got cost certainty with Anthony Manta, and I think that was important for Washington. Um, Jacob Varana is a, a pending restricted free agent with arbitration rights. He's making, I think, 3.35 a year. That number is going up. Um, so you get for Washington cost certainty with Manta having a few more years left on his deal. And I, I think ultimately what it boils down to is you end up giving up Varana and the, uh, the draft pick in order to get that cost certainty and then to shed Richard Panik's deal. Um, another draft pick also is, is kind of how I see that boiling down. Um, you know, Varana, both players at times kind of fell out of favor with their teams. Um, both have been benched to healthy scratch this season. Uh, Verana certainly, you know, drawn a little bit of the ire of, of Peter Laviolette a little bit. Um, but he's, a, a, you know, you go back and look at the last few years. He's, I believe 13th in the league in even strength goals. Hasn't had the huge minutes that a lot of star players above him have, but he can put the puck in the net at, at even strength. He's proven that. So for a, a team with eyes on the future, like Detroit, the picks make sense. You know, Verana, you got some room. You want to resign him. It makes sense. Um, And then, yeah, Manta in uh, in Washington, they're a big physical team. They've got speed. They can score. He does all those things. So it's uh, early returns. looks like a great fit with, with Baxter Minoshi on that second line.
1: Chatting with Mike Kelly of NHL Network here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Jets are taking on the Sens. They, like many teams, Leafs, Canes, did not look very good on Monday night. Paul Maurice wasn't very happy, and they'll get back at it tonight. But looking at this team now with the addition of Jordy Ben, with the likes of Billy Heinle, um and Dylan Sandberg in the mix, if need be, um, can the Jets defend? Or I guess as a team. And I know you had an interesting video on your Twitter in early February about the Jets forwards stepping up, back checking, you know, playing more team defense right now. Um, what when you look at this team, what's the path to victory in the North Division for the Winnipeg Jets? What what are the things that this team needs to do as a team? Um, if they want to get past Edmonton and potentially Toronto and move on to the Final Four?
3: Yeah, I think you touched on a really good point there, which is the, the commitment to overall team defense. Because, you know, again, I think if you look at the team, the, the forward group is so strong. Uh, you love the third line, right? They're, they're one of the best third lines in the league when the, when the team's fully healthy and, and they've got their lines the way they want them. Um, so you love the, the skill and, and the, the depth of the forward group the goaltender, we know we don't need to get into that. It, it's the, the back end, the, the chances, the team, this allows, like, if you look at it, just a few things um, defensively this year, at even strength with Winnipeg expected goals against their 26th um, bottom 10 in the amount of slots, uh, slot shots they allow uh, off the rush, their bottom 10 and chances against same with the cycle, same with the four check. It's not just one way that they're kind of vulnerable to giving up chances. Overall, they do give up a lot. Um, Again, you can you can get away with that to a point with a guy like Hellebuck. Um, and Tampa Bay in the past has had success kind of trading chances because you've got Vasilevsky and elite shooting talent. So you, you kind of assume if there's 10 chances a game on each side, you're probably going to come out on the right side of it because you can score and you got a great goalie. But it's when it starts to tip too far that, that you can get into trouble. Or if that great goalie goes through a bit of a rough patch, which any player is, is susceptible to, to having happen to them, um so you know you mentioned the video and that's what i think is so important with winnipeg is that um it's got to be the five players on the ice at any given time you can't just rely on a top d pairing or a defense group overall it's got to be a commitment from everybody to to be responsible in every zone um and allow your offense to ultimately go out and outscore whatever you may give up defensively so they've shown they can do it at times Uh, they're great record obviously they sit well in the standings in the north division right now if they play a team like edmonton um i give them the advantage and goal as well as mike smith has played uh but it's connor Hallebuck. um you know their forward group that loaded up top lines a lot to deal with but the depth is better with winnipeg and and, you know, Edmonton is not the tightest defensive group either. So there's a lot to like there. But, yeah, I'm I'm a believer with that team. It's It's got to be everybody on the ice contributing.
1: You know, it's funny, Mike, in that, you know, the Jets lost a couple I believe it was their first back-to-back regulation losses of the season a few weeks ago against the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, going back and watching those games, if you really break down the way the Jets played defensively and the amount of shots and chances that they allowed – those are two of their better games of the, of the year. The caveat to that is a couple of the chances that they did give up were given to number 97, Connor McDavid, yeah. and he will make you pay. When you look at the North, and just I mean, let's just assume that the standings are where they are, and this is the way it's going to finish. Because it does, I think it's likely that Montreal will play Toronto and Edmonton will play Winnipeg in the first round for Edmonton and I mean I'll include the Leafs in that although a different team probably a deeper team they have that really elite high end talent that can make you pay for just one mistake do the Jets need to do anything differently once you get to the playoffs I mean is there does there have to be a renewed focus and maybe take a little bit of the offense away to focus on defense or is it a matter of doing the things that have got you to this point and hoping that your goalie will continue to be the best player on the ice and make the most of your chances when you get them
2: Yeah, well, the game
3: does change a little bit. Like, this is one thing that I've looked into over the past few years, something that coaches ask about a lot, that, uh, you know, what wins in the playoffs? How is the game different? Um, Because it is different, right? And you go back and you look at Tampa Bay. They had one of the best regular seasons ever a couple years ago, and they lost in the first round. And it wasn't a seven-game nail-biter. I mean, (laughs) they lost for kind of specific reasons to a really good counterattacking defensive team they went out and got Coleman and Goodrell and put together a really good third line and and made kind of the right kind of adjustments to adjust to the different kind of game that the playoffs can be against different types of opponents. So look, I I don't think Winnipeg can sit there and say, okay, we're going to be a lockdown defensive team now. And that's how we're going to shut down McDavid and Drysidle because nobody really can. Um, But you know, Winnipeg has enough offensive firepower and they're deeper with that firepower that, If you can try to just like saw off the top, you know, couple players offensively on each side, you're going to come out on the right side of it more often than not. Uh, Basically, just as long as you don't let those two guys run wild, you're probably going to come out on the right side of it. So I'd like Winnipeg's chances there. Um, You know, it was interesting, like Dallas on the flip side last year, great defensive team, trouble scoring. They opened up their game a little bit and they scored more. They allowed more they found a really good balance and it allowed them to win some series and get to the Stanley cup final. Um, so Winnipeg may, yeah, maybe they have to be a little more conscious, responsible defensively, less risks potentially. Um, but that balance ultimately, I think is what you want to try to find as opposed to saying, okay, we got to, you know, lock this down or really open up, uh, at any given point.
1: Mike, how would you handicap the top four teams in the North division looking ahead to the playoffs?
3: I think Toronto's the class of the division, um, and again, I like the moves they've made at the deadline. I like the moves they made in the last year, really. Um, to like TJ Brody is such a great acquisition. He's exactly what they needed on the back end—a guy that can, you know, help you be better in your own end, uh, play big minutes. They they add some, you know, grit, um, some some physical elements that are necessary in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I think they're the team to beat in that division. That said, I think Montreal is not an easy matchup if they get them uh, in the first round, which it looks like they might. Montreal is deep. They don't have the high end talent, obviously. Uh, and and the goaltender, I mean, if Carey Price can be Carey Price, that's significant. We just, we don't know with him. Um, so we'll see, but we don't know with Toronto's goaltending when it comes to the playoffs either. So I think that could be a really interesting matchup. And then, I would I would take Winnipeg right now kind of as a second team in that division. Um, I think all things being equal, um, I would like them over Edmonton. Not a gimme by any means, obviously. but um, And then again, if if Connor Hellebuck's dialed in and that offensive group's going the way they can go, that third line's playing the way it can play, they can give any, any team in that division a good run.
1: You know what's funny? Just one more thing on the Jets, I and mean, we talk so much about the top nine, and there was plenty of consternation when Jansen Harkins was out of the lineup. Christian Vesalinen wasn't playing, and you had a fourth line of Matthew Perot along with Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis. Um, and, you know, and people have kind of dogged Thompson particularly for being a guy that you know was always on the wrong end of the shot totals. The Jets' fourth line has been about as reliable as any fourth line, I think, that has been playing under Paul Maurice over the course of the last eight years. I don't know how many people expected that, but we've seen in the ice time that they've been given, um, you know, when they have been deployed, game situations like that, that there, there's more trust there. And that can't be a bad thing going into the postseason.
3: No, that's a great point you bring up. Um he- I was looking at this maybe a week or so ago, but just Thompson and Lewis when they're on the ice at at five on five and, and what the results have been. Um, I think at the time it was like one goal against in a a ton of minutes. I mean, they're, they're not a weakness by any means. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, yeah, I I think there's uh, probably in Winnipeg and Toronto for sure. There's always debate about, you know, people talk about the Leafs top six and how great it is. Is it the best top six in the league? It's like, I, I, I don't know that it's the top best six top, um, nine in the division even, because Winnipeg's is so good. I'd put Winnipeg up there with anybody. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you for sure. The the fourth line, um, it, definitely not a weakness. So that's a that's a good forward group. I, I just think no matter kind of how it goes, you're going to get so much high-end talent when you think about a potential Winnipeg-Edmonton series. Just watching all these superstars on the ice at the same time um, in a playoff series, I just... Man, how much fun would it be to have fans in the stands? Oh. It's the only thing missing. Well, even these
1: games this year. I mean, and I don't know whether it's because everyone's been locked up and, you know, that there's nothing else to do, but it seems like the games, at least from, you know, my friends, people that I'd normally be seeing at the bar watching the game that are all at their home doing the exact same thing, maybe obsessing over it a little bit more. And then, of course, you add in all the Canadian content and it ratches it up a couple levels. But, yeah, I mean, the one thing is missing. Is the fans, and we'll really be feeling that come playoff time. One more question on the North Division, um, because we're focusing obviously on these four teams that are going to be playing.
3: What happened to the Calgary Flames this year, Mike? You know what interests me a lot is think about a couple years ago when they won the West. I think they had 107 points. They were the top seed, right? Yeah. And they lost in the first round of Colorado. Johnny Gaudreau, Backlund, Kachuk, Giordano, Manjapani, um, Monahan, core guys—they're all still there. That team looks so different than this team. Um, you know, Marks from very talented goalie not having a great year, but they—they—they they, they play a very different way than they did when they were successful that year. And you know, I—I I think that they went into that playoff series against Colorado. The Avalanche beat them in five. They absolutely torched them in the transition game. Colorado's speed was way too much to handle. Calgary couldn't get anything done um, with with their transition game, which was a big part of their success that year. They were a top five team off the rush, uh, scored a lot of goals. I I think that spooked them a bit um, because the next year they started dumping and chasing a little more, playing a little more reserved in their transition game. It took some of the offense away. Now, obviously, there's been some roster turnover and, and things like that. Coaches, you know, Daryl Sutter's there now, et cetera. Um, but they're a team now that really dumps pucks more than they used to, doesn't create nearly as much off the rush, uh, does not score as much as a result. Um, I, I think defensively, they've actually been okay since Sutter took over for the most part. The, the goaltending, surprisingly, has been what's hamstrung them a little bit. But they they, they play a lot more conservative, I guess, than they used to um when they were having more success with a lot of the same players so i don't know if the way that they play is best suited to the roster that they have and uh, i think there's a bit of a gap between what they want to be and what they have to accomplish that i didn't expect them to fall off the way that they have uh this season so you know i I certainly don't have all the answers here but that is the you know kind of in in having the same thoughts as you did when you asked the question, I just thought back to a couple of years ago. I'm like, this team played a lot of pace and they scored and they were good. Uh, and it's a lot of the same, you know, key guys. That's the big difference that I notice is just a different approach to philosophically, how you're going to generate offense, what you want to try to do to limit defensively. Um, and again, it ends up being a balancing act. Are, are we taking away some offense to be better defensively? Sure. Are we coming out on the right side of that though, by playing this way? Um, you know it hasn't been good enough this year.
1: The Flames are fascinating for a couple reasons. I mean, you mentioned the fact that they have had this core going back, and I mean, the expectations in Calgary. I mean, they rolled the Avalanche in the first game of that playoff series, and people were already thinking like, "Holy smokes, this could be this could be a really special run." They did not win. Another game uh, that playoffs, and it's sort of been downhill ever since. Listen, I know you got to run, Mike. One more question for you. It is of interest here in Winnipeg. Um, People still love Patrick Line here. He'll always be a special player to the people in Winnipeg. And we did see a glimpse of that superstar. That we had we enjoyed so much here in Winnipeg with that Mario Lemieux like goal. Remus had the best, (laughs) Remus had the best joke yesterday. Well, they always said they wanted line to be a 200 foot player. There you go. He literally went the full 200 feet to score. Um, but I know you paid attention to that situation. Um, what do you make of what's happened to line since he got to Columbus and uh. What can we hope for, if you're a fan of Patrick Laine, uh, the, what needs to happen to get him back to being the guy that brought everyone out of the seats in Winnipeg for all that time?
3: Yeah, uh, my thought with him has always been, like, when when he's moving his feet, he's so dangerous. And he scores, we all know how he scores in the power play, a ton of goals, uh, left circle, right with the shot. When he scores at even strength, it's oftentimes off the rush. He, he scored about a third of his goals in his career at even strength off the rush. We saw him go end to end. When when he gets moving, he's a he's a tough guy to stop. He, he's got good hands. He can beat defensemen. We saw that on that play, um, and obviously he can finish. He's got a great shot. Even if he's not going right in on the goalie and deking, um, you know he can shoot it from around the hash marks and, and give a lot of goalies a lot of problems. So, you know, this season break his goals down. They've been scored on the power play in the left circle, and they've been scored off the rush almost exclusively. So. When he's engaged, moving his feet, not standing around in the offensive zone at even strength, waiting for guys to get pucks to him, but but getting a little more engaged, lower, um, not not you know he's often the high forward. I'm not talking about him, you know, going and and forechecking and 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 trying to be this Tasmanian devil or anything, but moving a little bit more um, to when you're in zone to try to generate offense from from better areas, and then certainly moving your feet a little bit more out of the defensive zone through the neutral zone. Uh, because he's so hard to handle off the rush and he's got such a great shot and he can beat defensemen that's when he's at his best in my view Um, I know you've seen him more than me uh, over his NHL career uh, with all that time in Winnipeg but that's kind of my two cents on it and you see you see it at times I'm sure the guys that coach him want to see it more and all the time because man he is such a weapon when, uh, when he gets going,
1: no doubt about it, Mike, uh, a lot of love for your visit here on Winnipeg sports talk in the chat patrolman, Pete, great talk with Mike Kelly. I love this dude. So, um, <laughs> we, uh, we really do appreciate it. You have such a unique insight and the work you do is great. Uh, you know, with point hockey, sport logic, of course, NHL network, uh, hopefully we can uh, maybe get you back before the playoffs and then talk a little bit about the matchups. Once we know what's happening in the North division, for sure.
3: Yeah, thanks a lot. That'd be awesome. It was uh, great hanging out with you again. I always love chatting with you guys and uh, love seeing what you guys are doing now. So you just let me know and we'll we'll do it up again.
1: Awesome, Mike. Thanks so much for doing this. Have a great one. and Enjoy the games tonight.
3: Okay, thanks. You too.
1: There he is, Mike Kelly. Follow him on Twitter if you haven't already, at MikeKellyNHL. And if you want to go back to Mike's feed in early February, um, he has a couple interesting clips of a jet game against the Calgary Flames where he focused in on what the team was doing to be better defensively. um, But it wasn't as much about the defense. It was about the five-man unit playing defense that way. And, um, you know, he's got a really unique way of uh, analysis. um, But the video work that Mike does is elite, and it's right up there with the best in the biz. And uh, very great to have him on the program. Let's get Remus back in here. We'll have Feinberg popping in in probably about five minutes or so. We'll get to a little bit of – a little bit more Jets talk. Remo, interesting stuff from Mike there. Um, You know, Mike, as I mentioned, you know, has a, I mean, certainly has an analytics background. But to me, he's maybe the best in the biz with combining a- 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 analytics with game action, merging it in and teaching people through video. Um, And his thoughts on the Jets, I think, are shared by many in that. You know, yes, does their blue line match up, you know, one for one on paper with some of the others that they'll have to go through? Maybe not. Um, But at the same time, with improved team defense, the Winnipeg Jets should be able to give themselves the best chance to win. But there will be a lot on the forwards, especially when we get to the playoffs.
2: Yes, I I agree with that. And Hellbuck, if he can see a shot, uh, he should be able to save it. Obviously, that wasn't the case uh, on Monday uh, with a couple of those. But, you know, you're not going to get those games pretty often. From him, you know that he's a solid goalie. It doesn't change what we think of his uh, you know, his ability. So I think they have shored up the defense a bit in the last couple weeks. Um, you know, We'll see how it goes. But as far as the North Division goes, they can beat any team on any night. They can beat Edmonton, although I would love to see a rematch. You know, Maybe they've learned a couple things on how to handle Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle after they really were uh, torched by those two guys in what were close games. But uh, ultimately, the Jets lost back-to-back. And uh, Toronto, you know they can beat. I know they got outshot severely in the first couple, but they seem to have figured something out since those games. So uh, their forwards, elite, goalie, elite, defense, uh, does need some work, and we'll see how that goes. But we know I don't think anything's going to change now that they got brought in Jordy I uh, We said at the top of the show, we do not think that there is a rift between the GM no. and the coach. We don't think. There's no disconnect. There's no public uh slinging at each other there that wasn't wasn't a jab i think it, i do agree it was a frustrated gm who's like who probably felt that you know he didn't need to make a move cuz he's like look i got this guy here he's capable he, but he's been on the problem is he's been on the taxi squad he hasn't played anywhere so he's not in tonight it is the same the same lines as before Brossois in net um so we will uh and you know, we'll see how it goes, Hess. With with the defense, they're just going to roll with the squad, and you hope, hope to have a uh, Blake Wheeler back as well. We actually had, had speculated, hey, are they going to add a depth forward? I think they're happy with what they got. They know a guy like Harkins can step in, and you have to wonder the way Cole Perfetti's playing with the Moose among points leaders. Do we, you know, in, in a case of emergency, do we see him step in at some point?
1: Well, you know what? I, I that I certainly I don't think was the plan. But if a top offensive player was out, I think he's barged into the conversation that maybe he could be, um, you know, an emergency replacement at some point in the playoffs. Still, still far off from, you know, I think being an NHL regular. But holy smokes, is he making the most of his time in the American Hockey League? We'll talk more Moose maybe at the end of this week, maybe on Friday after the. Game on Thursday, certainly next week, finding a little bit more about what's happening on the farm with the Winnipeg Jets. All right, it's game night tonight. You know what that means? Great day to get a Boston pizza game day meal. All Winnipeg-Boston pizzas have your hookup. You got the spicy pierogi pizza, the meteor pizza, a 2-4 case of wings. Um, You can do that or... Take on the call-your-shot promo with Boston Pizza and Molson. Any order of pizza flights, which are amazing, by the way. Tried those a couple weeks ago. Three mini pizzas, three dips, um, as well as a Molson product. And you'll get entered to win instant BP gift cards, a custom-made outdoor rink for next year, or a VIP NHL experience. And as always, big thanks to our auto-sponsor, not Corp family owned in Winnipeg for over 10 years Waverley and McGillivray why not get into a beautiful new vehicle with the help of the Knot team at an amazing price and they'll help you consign your current vehicle and get max value for that pop down and see Trevor and his great staff at Waverley and McGillivray or visit them online at knot.ca. all right well nobody's golfing at Breezy Bend today but they'll be talking about golf and we always love talking about golf with our next guest He's got an interesting look today, rocking a, a pretty nice Chargers lid. Um, and the Kraken jersey released the Feinberg into Winnipeg Sports Talk. What's going on, dude?
0: Yeah, you know what? I probably could start uh, giving uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk a little run each week, pulling some things out of uh, the old closet. This, however, comes from the new closet. Uh, quite impressed with the look and color scheme. The Kraken have put together, so I did grab myself a nice little uh, hoodie through the winter.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a beauty. They they nailed it with the look, and it'd be interesting to see how things go once they get into uh, into the league. Of course, they're uh, still the the remaining teams before they get here, still fighting for the Stanley Cup. We spent a lot of time talking hockey so far, but with the deadline on Monday and then everything coming out of that yesterday. Uh, I wanted to make sure, before we look ahead, we talk for a couple minutes about what happened at Augusta on the weekend. And listen, I know we in the past have talked so much about Hideki Matsuyama, about what an incredible player he was, how he's going to win at some point. And I don't know what happened over the course of the past year. I sort of got off him. He was a regular on my cards. He was not on the card this weekend. But he got it done um, with the pressure of... An entire nation on his shoulders that I think had been building for a while. Um, let's start off with the champ. What do you think about his victory, the way he played, and and what a special victory that is—not just for Hideki, but for golf worldwide.
0: Yeah, I mean, what a great victory Hows anyone in around, you know, my age. Hideki's really been a staple in the game for a long time. We. Like you, yeah, this guy like went on a winless streak from the ages of twenty-five to twenty-eight. And like you, Hustler, I did stop putting him on cards because I bet him a lot. I'd bet him at short numbers, I bet him all the time. It's not like he never won for me back in the day. The guy won events, but my biggest issue was with Hideki was that he wasn't like contending. You know, we'd make fun of you know, guys like Finao for not winning, we'd make fun of guys like Xander for coming up short a lot at their prices a Finao was just he was in like that 40 50 to one range consistently but he never took you to sunday so uh that was the reason i kind of avoided him but what a great win what a great moment for the sport uh i've already bought a t-shirt with that caddy bow on uh, 18 to the course it just you know really hits the spot you always sort of cheer for a guy on sunday at the masters once the bets are you know dead husk that you want to grow old with and Growing old with Hideki seems seems great, and it's great for the sport. Um, the American golf audience probably can't, like, in many ways, they understand the growth, and they can relate to it in, like, a that sense. But I think even here in Canada, Hustler, when I hear that, that you know, there are people very close to the game that project this to be a billion-dollar victory for Hideki Matsuyama, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, look at literally the life. I don't want to say lifeline, the life off the golf course that Mike Weir has been able to live off a master's victory, whether it be those sorts of investments, things that come from not even the sponsorships, the wineries, like everything. Um, And and we're Canada. We got like as many people that like, this is the Asian market. So what an amazing moment. People are like, ah, you know, the ratings, yada, 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 the masters is great. no, Sure, for maybe in a nutshell, it was a boring Sunday. It wasn't really as dramatic outside of a couple moments. But for the Masters, the Masters are a brand. And like everything, the NBA, MLB, everything in the world, where do they want to grow their brand? The Asian (laughs) market. So what a great week for golf and a guy that we've watched forever. We've watched grow up and now we're going to get to watch him grow old. So it's great.
1: Yeah. Grow old in a green jacket every April at Augusta. It really was a special victory. Now you mentioned once the tickets are dead to give you an idea about just how much I like Matsuyama. I had, I had a Zalatoris top 10, which was safe. I also had an outright on him bet after the first round at 40 to one. So, I mean, he was in the mix, and at six shots, it seemed like it was over. But then, you know, he puts the one in the drink, he bogeys 16, and if it wasn't for Xander, um, you know, putting that one in the drink on 16, it probably would have been a lot closer. But even with a major financial interest in a huge choke, I didn't really want it to happen. So, and I think a lot of people are like that. You'd wanted to see the guy finish the job.
0: You felt a lot of golf fans, even with losing bets, like you felt like golf rich. Like like yeah. it really satisfied a lot of your, like, okay, I wasn't going to win a bet this week, but that, that felt right. This is like a good place to go from here. And from the betting markets, Hustler, it's another checkbox. Bucks in that mid range, 30 to 50 to one, first time winner, not only in general, first time major winner, but the Masters going in line with the Sergio, the Reed. You know, yeah, we had the big Willett numbers, but that went off at 66. The Bubba first victory at like 70. So, in our sort of compact time here, Hus, we are seeing the Masters be able to cash nice mid range tickets for first time. Major champions, and let's try to remember that in a year when we're just all goo gaga for the for those guys at the at the top.
1: Yeah, well, the guys at the top really stunk. I mean, DJ didn't make the cut. Rory didn't make the cut, and which maybe wasn't that surprising. We spoke about that beforehand. But let's talk about two guys that did that were in it on Sunday. What were your takeaways from Will Zalatoris's first Masters and Xander Shoffley's, um, you know, comeback and then unfortunate collapse on sixteen?
0: Yeah, I mean, with Will Zalatoris, Hustler, you literally – it starts with the fact that I don't even think, like, big golf fans realize the accomplishment in just making the tournament. Literally, getting into the Masters field on official World Golf rankings, when you aren't a full-time PGA Tour member, when you've got – compared to the rest of that field, the healthy part of it, like, the consortium of starts that you don't have compared – to them. Uh, he didn't win an event. There are ways into the Masters. I'm not, you know, Michael Thompson, a great maybe long shot this week. People <coughs> like he got to win an event in Minnesota. You get that ticket into the Masters. Do people even realize Wills Alatoris is not accumulating FedEx Cup points at the moment, Hustler? He <laughs> is not a card carrying member of the PGA Tour. He's already got some like Race to Dubai points. They're giving him points on the European Tour based on the masters and he's not getting fedex cup points how he qualified for it is literally insane the fact that he almost won i said it on the podcast hideki had to get himself out of trouble a lot and his scrambling might have been the reason that he won and protected the score and if that if that masters had to go another one minute like a hockey game or a basketball game he might not have won right (laughs) like he did not have another hole in him probably but Xander we saw out of position a ton. Speeth making Speeth magic from out of position a ton. The only guy at the top of the leaderboard. I don't recall Zalatoris in Pine Straw. It's literally just straightforward, direct. He putted great, but his troubles came on lag putts. You saw a lot of long-distance lag putts for Zalatoris, like a lot of other guys, but him specifically, at least the ones in contending, that were coming up short or going long and he really had to battle on those. And lag putting is one of the reasons why we don't like uh, first timers at Augusta. So that is kind of maybe where he got, got the most, but I don't have a single memory of him in the pine straw needing to like correct something.
1: No, he was, um, he was nails. He was consistent. And, and to be honest, maybe we shouldn't be surprised because that basically has been the guy doing this week after week, after week, all year long in sponsors exemptions, just to crack the top 50 and get in. It really was in. What about Xander? Because Xander has been so close so many times and it seemed like he had all the momentum. And I mean if he put that he, if he put that shot on 16 tight and tapped in for birdie, um we could be having a very different conversation right now.
0: Yeah, um entirely for Xander it's another I don't want to even call it a learning experience. I was I don't know if you saw his like post-round interview, he was and you get a guy just off his Sunday round at the Masters where he has that finish. He is sort of like computing what it means in his head. And the first thing out of his head is like, I don't know, I came in second place again. But 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 you guys might think I can't do it. But my team, we know differently. Like I didn't like, I don't know, like he verbalized it. I don't know, man. The guy is too good not to make it happen. Um, in the same way like Finau, except he gets a little more leeway because there are Eastlake wins. There are... Um, tournament of champions wins there are some nice wins on the resume it's nice to see that he got like above 25 27 to 1 so now as we go like Kiowa Island those more demanding majors um not to say the Masters isn't demanding and I'm sort of curious to take how it played this year and how we're going to go going forward Huss but yeah Kiowa Island where it seems like a perfect fit for Xander Shoffley as does every U.S. Open and PGA Championship, and now he he's got like multiple great runs at the Masters, where we'll be going back every year. So, I don't know how much longer we're going to be having this conversation. Probably not very long.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Jeff Feinberg with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, wrapping the Masters, and now we look ahead to the RBC Heritage Classic. Um, you know what stood out to me right off the bat? You know, firing up Coolbet, looking at the odds was the players playing the week after yeah. the Masters. When yeah. was the last time we had a world number one defending champion? I mean, DJ, Simpson, Cantley, Morikawa, Berger, Fitz, Hatton, Casey, Cam Smith, Zala Torres. Answer: This is about as top heavy a leaderboard as I can remember the week after a Masters ever.
0: Yeah, it's a great field. Uh, you know, maybe DJ, that whole RBC association, you know, brings him along and makes him suck it up a week after the Masters. Webb Simpson, defending champ. We got a catch at a big number last year, but it wasn't the week after Masters. It was the second event out of COVID. You're absolutely right, Hus. And this is the one thing I'm trying to tell people about this week. You see events that have such a great history of rewarding, like super bombs, Wesley Bryan, uh, Cody Hara. Uh, There's some big numbers that have really cashed here in recent memory. And I think I'm even like skipping a couple off the top of my head. Uh, You know, Brendan Grace, Point is, with such a strong field, I'm not really looking to attack that deep area. Like, I normally am not anyway, but that's where a lot of people are talking. Like, no, look what this event does. I think there's tremendous value in that 30 to 60 to 1 range. Like, there's so many guys in that range that I'd love to be wagering. So while the long shots historically show up here, I think the strong field is going to give us another win. Not to say just like last week, but every time these guys get together, good fields, it's like 20 to 50, 60 to 1. Like, there's no real reason to shop elsewhere.
1: Yeah, you know, you mentioned one guy. I, I did make one bomb bet, and that was Brandon Grace that you mentioned. And I think yeah. he's had a bit of a resurgence this year. He is a former winner of this event, and it's 79 to 1. It seemed like, yeah, it was worth putting a little sprinkle on it. Two guys that I started off uh, the card with, Daniel Berger at 22 to 1, And to be honest, I could not not put Zalatoris back on the card this weekend. I mean, the way that he is playing, the zone that he is in, and the fact that he's done this week after week after week, um, he certainly knows that he can play with these guys, and it seems like a win is about to happen. So maybe it was the FOMO, the fear of missing out, but Willie Z is definitely on the card. Um, Thoughts on Berger and Zalatoris before we get to uh, who you stocked your picks with?
0: Yeah, so I did bet Berger. Uh, I did bet Berger. Uh, guys, win this thing out of miscuts at the Masters. That is a consistent. Looking back on it, Hustler, my Masters pre-tournament card was really bad. One of the mistakes I made was Daniel Berger. In hindsight now, we're now in another Masters. I don't think he's ever broken 70 there. So it's something I've got to pay attention to and not lose sight of maybe going forward. His ball striking remains absolutely elite. Like, you go back even 100 rounds. There are not more than five players on this field who strike the ball better than Berger. He won at Colonial, which is a comp course. He's got a bunch of – a couple top tens at other Pete Dye tracks. So I'm really in on Berger this week off the miscut. Will Zalatoris. this is going to be really embarrassing if he wins. I recorded a video picking him, and then I didn't send it in. I didn't make the bet yet, and I scrapped it. I got all in my head, Hustler, that – That Just like a couple of weeks ago, how I was like, like, well, the books like no Cameron Tringali is going to play great. He's 30 to one. This doesn't make any sense. No. Did he win? No. Did he play great? Did he give people who bet him some nights getting excited when they went to bed? Yes. I almost now feel the complete opposite of this Wills Zalatoris line. If the books thought he could win this week, he would be down there with Daniel Berger. And that's probably where I would have priced him on Sunday night if he asked me to, like, record and talk about what I think the odds are going to be. Guys have played great here at a great Masters. Cantley was third here off, like, a top three or four at the Masters a couple of weeks ago. I'm, I don't know. Just you, you, that thought, like, you're. I get what... And I back what you're doing, and I back your your balls to do it. Because you're saying to yourself, this is an outright bet. I'm not betting a top five. I'm not betting a top 20. I'm not betting top anything. Well, I'm confident he will play well, and if I want to bet him top 20, get that. Um, If he comes in dead last or he comes in second place, I get the exact same thing. Picking a winner is very hard. I'm going to pick a guy who's playing amazing, who's playing with no fear, who's young, and you're just expecting to ride that wave through the weekend. So the logic there as to why you better make sense and the logic on the other side of, no, like a really exhausting mental weekend, physically grinding. um, Maybe there's at least a two-day come down, a couple moments this week that prevent him from winning.
1: Um, Who else did uh, you top out the card on outside of Daniel Berger?
0: So I have bet Abraham Answer Hustler, who has done just about everything at Pete Dye Courses, like it's hard to play any better than him. Uh, his last six results there, T8 at the Travelers, second at the AMAX in 2000, second at the, uh, this event in 2011, at the Travelers, five at the AMAX this year, 22nd at the Players, and he should have won his pod and beaten Billy Horschel in the first round at another Pete Dye course in Austin and won that thing because he played amazing for like two days and three quarters. So I'm not dead with Abe answer yet, and it's like Abe answer, Kevin Kisner, Pete Dye track. One is thirty three to one, one is 60, 66 to one. I like them both, and Sergio Garcia, who I almost bet to win the Masters. And there's a lot of guys in this mid range who I think there's tremendous value on. Be it a Siwoo Kim, be it a, a Fleetwood, be it a Shane Lowry, be it Chris Kirk. Like it's really hard to pick it down. But last year Sergio here has. He was first in the field in in strokes gained tee to green. He was 70th in putting and finished fifth. He missed the cut at the Masters, but some post-Masters quotes indicate, like, he thought he struck the ball great. He just couldn't score. That happens. Seems to be in a great mindset. And he won Sanderson just a couple weeks after missing a U.S. Open cut. So I, I don't think I should sweat the miss cut it all, but it was really hard to build a card this week because I liked a lot of guys.
1: No doubt. Just looking at Cool Bet right now. For those in the chat or listening that might want to get on, uh, Fleetwood and Garcia 39-1. to one. Siwoo Kim there as well. Um, And Abe answer. Uh, like, actually, I'm going to put
0: him in. Yeah, on no, I didn't bet 32 to well, one. Fleetwood or Kim. Well, you know what? I didn't tout Fleet, uh, Kim, but I did notice in getting myself organized for the week, I did bet him. I guess I spoke about him a lot, so I do have money <laughs> <laughs> on Siwoo Kim being totally transparent and it'd be hard not to. He's a Pete Dye disciple also who's striking the ball well. Hopefully. Oh, we'll just wait
1: till he gets to putt with a putter for the full yeah. 18 holes. And that was uh, that was quite the, quite the scene. Pushing yeah, he putted better
0: than Corey Connors for a three-hole stretch, though, with a three-wood.
1: <laughs> he did. He did. didn't get any <laughs> bogeys the whole time. Hey, you're a big Jays guy. Uh, what's the vibe around... Uh, uh, listen, I don't know no one's going out or getting together with anybody around where you're at right now, but uh, how are you feeling about the Jays at this early point in the season?
0: Ah, uh, it's totally snake bitten, right, Huss? I'm looking at the score. And, oh, nice! They're trying to put up a rally. They'd love to get today's game. No Springer, Merriweather just went on the DL. Teoscar's gone down. Uh, I don't know. It feels weird, but we are seeing what we – it's almost like if Vladdy plays to this level, Hus though, it's like the season's a success. I'm not expecting anything major, but what's really important to to realistic Jays fans this year is we want to see exactly where we are. Like, if we know exactly where we are in the program, in the process, there's the trade, there's the organizational depth to make the trade and the financial wherewithal to add to this team – But we need to know where we stand. And that's what makes this season so crucial.
1: Man, what a start last night by the big Korean, eh? Ryu, he has been everything that they hoped that they would get when they signed him to that deal so far. And you add in some, you know, some other younger pitchers, hopefully get Nate Pearson healthy and go forward. I mean, I think there's a legitimate reason to be excited about this Jays team in a far different realm of reality than maybe people had in the last couple of years with the exciting young players getting their feet wet as major leaguers.
0: Yeah, 100% the arrow is going up. You know, if they can hold their own, um, the financial wherewithal will be there for them to maybe pay for a rental pitcher down the stretch hustler. I'm not really worried about that. I really do think they want to see what they have organizationally before they make those big commitments to supplement Ryu in the pitching staff. But, He's done everything they've asked. Every time he takes the ball, uh, he gives this team a chance to win, and it's great, and it's enjoyable. And the rest of the days, you almost just really cross your fingers and, and hope hope we can hold on and find a way. But okay. I, I'm entertained watching the team.
1: No doubt. And the back end, we mentioned Meriwether, and it is unfortunate. I, I guess, you know, if you're going to have a guy go on the DL for something like a hip is a lot better than an elbow or a shoulder on a pitcher. Um, but I got to tell you, I mean – you talk to Jays fans that maybe hadn't been paying attention to spring training, and okay, the season starts. Let's see what the squad is. I mean, those triple-digit numbers on the gun got people all fired up, and uh, man, it seems like he was the—he basically was what they were hoping to get in Kirby Yates. And yet, it wasn't Yates; it was Merriweather that was doing that to start the season.
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing. And and even a lot of Jays fans don't realize he was their return on Josh Donaldson. Was he not? So yeah. it's a little. Well, that was a bit of a sour spot for some time, but this guy looks like a real deal um, contributor to the club, clubhouse. And honestly, like even if you just try to set yourself for a reminder, I wish my phone could remind me, like just to let me know, like when Bo and Vladdy are about to bat back to back, because it's honestly, like for me, a lifelong Jays fan, it's 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 it is so much fun to watch and to think that Springer in like a week's going to be hitting in front of them. Hopefully, I don't know there's another maybe setback. It's a little bit of a disappointing and a downer, but yeah, I'm super excited and it pain. It, it's painful to not be able to drive 15 minutes to watch this team this summer because I'd be down there ready to, ready to support them.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, we're all still dealing with this. Hopefully sooner as opposed to later we can get these damn shots and get back to the ballparks and rinks and all that stuff that we like. Um, we're a couple weeks away from the NFL draft. Um, And we'll certainly have a chat closer to it. Maybe talk about some of the betting odds that are available for it, but um, you know, it's very different for you in charger land. You got your quarterback. I mean, you're just chilling right now going in Um, taking away, you know, the, the focus on your own team. What are the stories that are most intriguing you um, after all of these big trades in the top 10, as we get closer to draft day?
0: Yeah. Listen, I can't wait. It's two weeks away. It's NFL draft. Um, like you, hustler, I really like it's such a sense of relief to get to watch this draft, not sort of hyper focus on the quarterbacks, but watch other teams kind of go through it. Uh, I'm just excited to see the the parade, right? The parade that's gonna be and and where everything else, everything else falls. um, I would be i do I'm incredibly fearful for New York Jets fans, huss, and I'm not <laughs> trying to pick on them. They've been through a lot. They've been through a lot and Wilson might be a start, but I'd argue there's no team in this like draft quarterback process in a worse spot. And what I mean by that is they now watch their last guy. They pick second overall go to Carolina, who will now be coached by the guy that probably should have been the coach in New York all along. And if that clicks, there's that like, Oh my God, what if second guessing. And now once again, like you're the second team to pick a quarterback. This time there is a clear number one but now you have to like your entire life is gauging your quarterback versus the three that are going to go behind them. All the pressure in, for Zach Wilson in New York is he's not Trevor Lawrence, despite being like an amazing prospect. I, my fingers are crossed. I like the jets. I, I you know it's a it's a fan base I feel bad for. I, I do want to root for them, but I, I'm worried about like this the mental state of Jets Nation at this point. Yeah, moment. well, you
1: it'll certainly give you quite a bit of fodder for the yeah, show with our pal Tim. I mean, wait. he's already ordering ticker tape and confetti for uh, a sh- assured Super Bowl victory uh, going forward. Um, hey, listen, just on the way out, the third overall pick, San Francisco. Are you buying any of this uh, Mac Jones smoke?
0: We apparently like we have to buy it. but there are two very drastic opinions of it. like there is this no. he's like this Kirk cousins younger version. and then there is the part like that is like what the naysayers are saying. and then the other part of his, you're just supposed to believe these people who are connected to Shanahan say no, it's gonna be it's gonna be Jones and and they're not hold like to a certain degree the media can hold a guy's water but you can't be Chris Sims and be like definitive that it's going to be Mac Jones. And then when you're wrong, like your reputation will take a major hit. So they're not just saying it to, to help like a friend. Like they must truly, truly believe it And everyone with any sort of relationship with ever with the Shanahan is adamant that it's going to be Mac Jones.
1: (laughs) It will be, uh, (laughs) it'll be incredible. Just watch, uh, Watch Fields drop to the Patriots at 10 or something like that, and then go in and win rookie of the year. I, I, I'm just waiting for something
2: like it, that. I mean,
0: look, Mahomes went last. He was, he, it wasn't five guys, but it worked out. Uh, look at Allen. You know, there are a bunch of went ahead of him, worked out. I got to watch Justin Herbert be the third. It worked out. So I, I don't know, right? We'll, we'll see how this all plays out. It's super exciting. It's, Drama! I can't. I can't wait. Like I'm tickled for it, Hus.
1: Uh, his uh, Twitter, if you're not following already, is G. Feinberg seventeen. Um, uh, you're gonna be uh, doing a uh, live stream tonight before uh, tee off tomorrow.
0: Yeah, live stream tonight, 10 p.m. Get you set for uh, for the weekend. Just a lot of wide ranging golf talk aside from the uh, betting this week that I do want to break down. Just like even how the course. I think what we saw this last week at Augusta is what we're going to get from that place like forever. I don't think they'll ever take their chances of just letting these guys go at it. So I'm looking forward to sort of breaking that down. And Yeah. 10 p.m. tonight on uh, ftndaily.com.
1: Right on, dude. Hey, th- thanks as always. Love having you on the program. We'll get you back to this Jays game. Should be an exciting end to it. And uh, good luck with the bets this weekend. Uh, let's get Daniel Berger in the winner's circle, and we'll both cash tickets. How about that? Yeah,
0: I would I would love that. A little burger time.
1: <laughs> right on, pal. Thanks for doing this. There he All is, best. my boy Jeff Feinberg at G. Feinberg. I before E, by the way. Feinberg 17. Joining us here, talking golf, and of course, all of our golf reports and uh, golf chat on the program, as always, brought to you by our home course, Breezy Bend Country Club. Find out more on Breezy and get on the waiting list for next year at breezybend.ca. All right, um, I have been paying close attention to quite a bit of the chat going on throughout these last couple interviews. Let's get Michael Remus in, who has been on it even more, although many people have just been mesmerized by the incredible ticker that we've got right now uh, with a number of the top stories. Um, Obviously always fun with Feinberg talking, you know, a number of things right now, keeping an eye on this Jays game. Um, but Remo, back to Mike Kelly, uh, a lot of what we had talked about with Mike seems to be the topic of the day in the chat. Lineups, Jet Blue Line, who's going to come in, who's going to come out, a topic that will never seem to die here in Winnipeg amongst Jets fans.
2: Yeah, a lot of talk. Uh, Lauren Brossois starting in goal tonight. Hellbuck, you know, he started a bunch in a row, uh, maybe showing some fatigue last game. Jordy Ben. Wearing, he'll be wearing number 40 going forward, former number of Joel Armia, Joel Armia, and Devin uh, He's, I think he's going to be with the team Friday. He's currently quarantining with the Canucks. And a lot of talk. Who comes? Does he even come come in the lineup? Who comes out of the lineup? I had said yesterday, you, you, using your line, Huss, the Jets are a union shop. It's last in, first out. So <laughs> Logan Stanley, uh, you know, the rookie, he's played well. But I think he's got some limitations as far as where they're willing to use him. That's not on him. Maybe that's a reflection of how the coaching staff feels about him. But uh, Jordy Ben could be a guy they used on, on the penalty kill instead. Or maybe Poolman uh, comes out. I don't know. I think they're going to ro- go with the same thing. You know, Haina, a lot of talk about, talk about him. And talk about the Jets. You know, the prospect line going forward. Hainala, Sandberg, Perfetti, who's been playing very well with the Moose. And there were some people in chat also wondering... Where can I see the Moose games? I think AHL Live is your friend. Uh, Google, Put that into the Google, and they will uh, point you in the right direction. I think it's yeah, a, and I, pretty affordable, too, actually. Yeah, yeah.
1: They had a really good deal on the AHL Live this season, and I'm not sure. I'm sure it's prorated or something like that. So if you do want to catch the rest of the Moose games, you can do that. And and, and I'll say this, too. The Moose staff um, have been doing a great job of you know highlights, updates, some really great features with players. Um, because right now, as much as we're all talking about the blue line, maybe the most exciting player in the Moose lineup, Remo has been Cole Perfetti, who's been on an absolute tear, had two goals and an assist in his last game. And I don't know whether it was talking to Craig Button or who it was, but said that this is a perfect example of a player that is benefiting in a huge way by the situation and being allowed to play in the American Hockey League this year, as opposed to playing against kids in the OHL. You know, Cole Perfetti, a year ahead of when he normally would be allowed, is getting a chance to go up against professional, mature competition, and it
2: seems to be helping him in a big way, as he's sort of hitting his groove right now. Yeah, 17 points in 24 games, 4 points on the power play, and I always got bothered, Huss, that they had this artificial age limit, that guys who, I think Mark happened to Mark Shafley, too, or, or it's definitely happened yeah. to other players, where... They've clearly done all they can do in junior hockey at the OHL level. There's nothing more. You know, they're dominating. But because of this age limit, you can't call them up to the AHL. But now, as you said, Perfetti, because there's no AHL, he is eligible for the AHL, getting that extra development that maybe he wouldn't have gotten otherwise. I mean, he obviously would have gotten development playing, but what good is it if you're just doing the same thing over? Give him a new challenge, new opponents. He's playing against men, Hus. And the here. He's now playing against the boys of junior hockey. (laughs)
1: Um, And, you know, this goes back to the league's agreement with the Canadian Hockey League. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know what, it is important, and I mean, I I do sympathize with the operators um, and fans and organizations of junior hockey, um, you know, that they get these young players, they develop them, they get drafted to the National Hockey League, and then, you know, they're eligible to play in that league um, than if, you know, they'd lose a lot of those players. But I guess from an NHL standpoint and a development standpoint, um, you know, I think there does need to be some sort of a tweak to the rules because um, I think we're seeing right now the benefits for a couple of young players that, as I mentioned, would not have the opportunity to be in the American Hockey League this year that are playing in it and will be better for it going forward. And you know, does this advance Cole Perfetti's track to being an NHL regular? It may very well might, because I think at the point where he proves that he's able to score consistently, keep up and hang with the guys in the American Hockey League, which it appears that he's getting towards that point, uh, then I think at least this organization will have more confidence in giving him a legitimate opportunity in the National Hockey League. And again, I'm not talking this year. Listen, if Perfetti gets in, That's probably a bad sign for guys that have been injured and whatnot, but I think he makes himself a more realistic option, even for next season, if he can continue his high level of play in the American League this year, as opposed to putting up crazy numbers in the OHL, and then having to prove yourself all over again when you get to a pro training camp.
2: Yeah, definitely a benefit. You can definitely uh, see what he can do, and you never know. I mean, Maybe he would be a taxi squad guy for the Jets in the playoffs, or... If someone in the top six got injured and you needed to bring in a more offensive guy, uh, you could put him in. However, uh, the emergence of guys like uh, Mason Appleton and Andrew Kopp this year showing that I think those guys, I mean, Kopp especially, he's playing in the top six right now. Appleton's down. But he's on getting some first power play time. I was actually looking at playing Appleton. I did play him on DraftKings the other night because he was getting that first uh, line power play. So those guys all emerging all showing they can score and maybe you know maybe he wouldn't fit in as well as he would have in some less talented jets teams in the past.
1: Yeah, and you know speaking of that power play, um Mike Johnson um Johnny as they call him on TSN put out a tweet and go check out uh I can't I can't remember what his tweet is. Is it Mike J Johnson Reem? Mike P Johnson. Mike P Johnson oh, there it is. I knew there was an initial in there. But Anyways, he has an interesting video of the Jets power play against Ottawa and had talked about, and for all of you guys that are always over the coaches, um, an interesting wrinkle in the Jet power play um, of utilizing the behind of the net more. And I mean, certainly Blake Wheeler had done that at times, but it was interesting to see Mason Appleton in that slot in the clips that they had um, isolated for people to watch and you know, there's always a little bit of a, a growth or some tweaks that, you know, teams can do to different formations and setups. Power play, you would assume with the man advantage, maybe a little more easy to to try out a few of those things. Um, and they did a pretty good job of showing the differences of what they were doing, utilizing particularly Appleton behind the net. Um, so an interesting wrinkle to what the Jet Power Play did. As we mentioned, the Power Play was dominant at times for extended periods, just not getting the goals, but certainly maintaining long control. I mean, I think there was like two full two-minute shifts for, t- uh, for Power Play units just simply because they had the puck the whole time and
2: there was never really an opportunity to change. Yeah, Power Play one, I think they couldn't get off the ice. They just had the puck on the other, other end, jamming it away. Anton Forsberg wearing the Jet's pads. You know, stopping the door. You know, and I saw, talking about the Jets power play, I saw one comment um, from a fantasy player uh, who plays daily fantasy saying, you know what, Nikolai Ehler is like, what does this guy have to do to get on power play one? And I think earlier in the season, um, I was, you know, because they're playing Mason Appleton ahead of him right now on power play one, but I don't know if I really see it that way, Hess. I mean, I think they're kind of going with two equal units. And I think it's going to be up to the coach to maybe distribute the ice time. I think they're going to do it more evenly now that Blake Wheeler isn't there. I mean, you oh, yeah. hope so. And you look at the scoring rates. Mm. Power play two with Pionk, uh, sorry, Pionk Dubois, Ehlers, Perot, and Kopp. I mean, they have outscored in a per 60-minute basis uh, power play one by a, decent, uh, by a decent number. So I think now without Wheeler, I mean, he doesn't care. He'll throw power play two first, th- power play one. And I think we'll see that tonight. They're both, they're both clicking. Couldn't quite beat Anton Forsberg. Got a new mask last game, but he won't be in that today. It's Matt Murray. He's been out for a month, uh, with a, what upper body injury. They, they don't yeah. say, they don't say, but he hasn't been no, very good. No. And, uh, that isn't going to be a long contract for the Ottawa centers that they signed in the off season. Yeah. James Robinson,
1: St. Colorado uses the same power play setup as the jets. Um, and Rob Harris, Maurice too stubborn. He would not play Cole or Vili. Um, who, who are you taking out for those guys? I mean, honestly, like I, I get it. We're excited about these prospects, um, mm-hmm. but this is about like this team's trying to win games right now. And listen, the job of the coach is to win games, and they've won a lot. Like I don't, like, there's nobody that can look at this team right now and say, "Wow." You know, if the coaching was better, maybe they'd have a better chance of being in the playoffs right now. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to argue that they haven't squeezed uh, about as much as possible from this roster, um, you know, as presently constructed. And you know, you can't blame the coach for what the GM did or didn't do. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, I think they're they're working together. I think they're on the same page. Um, I think we will see some reinforcements. But I think they are feeling pretty good about the guys that they have in the addition to Jamie uh, Jordy Ben. The big question for me, Reem, and this goes back to what Maurice said yesterday, and the question, I guess, was more about Hainala coming out of Monday's comments from Chevel Dayoff. But he did sort of allude that Villy and Ben would sort of be the next guys up on the depth chart. So at least I took that, that... You know, Maurice has his six guys right now. These are going to be the six guys that are going to be playing going forward. They will try and get some guys into the lineup. But let's just say the playoffs were starting tomorrow and the Jets are playing Edmonton or Toronto. I think the six guys that have got them there, including Logan Stanley, will be the guys that will get that first opportunity from uh, from Paul Maurice when it counts.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, he's about uh, loyalty. And he's these are the guys that have got them there. They're playing well. Um so let's let's ride him out and, and see what happens. I know there's some people in chat want to see Vili uh, Hanila come in, maybe for Poolman, maybe for Stanley, and maybe it was even the GM tooting the horn or touting the horn of uh, <laughs> Billy Hanila at uh, Monday's uh, post trade deadline press conference. But uh, they've been they've gone with the same lineup us for like at least a month here, aside from the Blake Wheeler injury. It really hasn't changed, and I think as long as it's working. And I know someone said in chat. There was a question: Are you concerned if the Jets lose two in a row to Ottawa? Uh, I'm gonna say no. I mean, it doesn't really change what you think about the team. Maybe if they went on like a major losing skid and looked looked like ass, then you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm I I don't feel great." But they're in second. They're playing well. I mean, a couple bad bounces uh, from Hellbuck. I know they had did give up four or five breakaways. I don't think that's gonna happen every game. So we'll wait and see. Uh, how the game goes tonight before you uh i'm not hitting the not hitting the panic button if that's what the question was
1: yeah so here we've got some great comments in here jets dog uh we can definitely blame the coach for not playing the youngsters though well i mean guys are you trying to develop young players or are you trying to win hockey games i mean the first the first job of the coach is to win and they've done that this year so i i don't i mean to me You want to get the development of the players, and they should be playing. And I do have an issue with Hanela not playing for these last few weeks. Part of it is COVID. Part of it is the insurance policy of having players, that guys get injured, being on these long road trips. Um, Luckily, Vili played a lot in Finland before the season starts, so he's had far more games than most of the other players in the organization so far this year. Listen, if the Jets were the Calgary Flames and essentially out of the playoffs— then absolutely play them all, get them up, get experience. But um, I think we need to kind of change the mindset of where this hockey team is right now and what they're hoping to accomplish. And they've been getting it done. There hasn't been a need, like as much as we talk about the defense, I mean, we say, Oh, the jet defense needs to get better. And then we say, well, one of these guys is coming in, who's coming out. And you get three or four different people tossed in and great arguments. Why a number of guys should stay in the lineup. So, um, listen, they've been very healthy. They have not had, uh, you know, they haven't been forced to go down the depth chart, if you will. And often, uh, certainly in cases like this, with teams that have been winning and have pretty established, healthy lineups, that is the catalyst to get some younger players in and finally do it. I mean, hell, I think about Adam Party. And again, I'm not comparing Adam Party to Hanala or Sandberg because, you know, he was more of a veteran player as opposed to a prospect. But, I mean, you think back, Remo, in 2015. Party played quite a bit, had played well, and then spent a long time out of the lineup, finally got that opportunity in Anaheim to play, came in, scored that amazing wraparound goal from behind the net, and unfortunately, Silverberg got that goal in the final minute, and the Jets didn't win that game. But Maurice himself had said, that you know, it was somewhat of a revelation of Adam Party and what he was able to do. So opportunity is going to come for some of these players. It'll be up to them what they make of it. But at at this moment, I have a hard time giving the head coach um, a problem for the lineup right now when the record is what it is for what they're trying to achieve.
2: Yeah, I think that's the bottom line. I mean, they're in second place. They're close to catching Toronto. I mean, they could have won uh, Monday's game, couple squeaking. I mean, even though they had given up, someone asked Cliff, asked and Chet, how many breakaways did the Jets give up to Ottawa last game? I don't know if you are kind of like four, five. It was it was quite oh, a bit. Was, I think there was two on the power play. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> couple. So uh, you know, shore up the de- the defense. We'll see how Brossois plays tonight. We remember his last start against Calgary. Uh, it was not great, but he's I think he's been awesome all year and all season. I had been saying um, after every game, let's play this guy a bit more. Play him, you know, play him. So. He's going this tonight. I'm assuming it'll be Hellbuck tomorrow. I um, mean, no, like, I mean, probably like 100 percent likely he'll be going tomorrow against Toronto. So hopefully you can get a point tonight. You know, try to keep pace with the Leafs. Who Jack Campbell showing he's human? Uh, what regulation loss yesterday? So uh, I think that's going to be the big game. But if you can get two here and two more tomorrow, you're you're still rolling here.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Now Sean 37 says, "Remember that McCarr guy? You didn't see him until the playoffs." I I, I hear this a few times, folks. You cannot expect Philly Hanala to be plopped into the lineup and to beat Kale McCarr. McCarr is uh, probably a front runner for the Norris Trophy right now, like the best defenseman in the league. He came in in his first game after being a crazy standout in college hockey. And, you know, he was just plopped in that top four and, you know, played 20 plus minutes a night. Um, Listen, if the if the situation calls for it, I think Hanla can hopefully hold his own. Um, but I think the, the I, I, let's let's not start saying this is going to be the Kale McCarr that's just going to show up in the playoffs
2: and. Uh, turn into a Norris Trophy-winning defenseman that'll take the team all the way. Yeah, I'm just reading Wrench Doozer. He says, Huh sounds like the disappointed principal. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what that means, but I, I like I'm that I'm not say. sure
1: what I'm disappointed about. Maybe yeah. just in people going crazy. Well, listen, I have, I love these conversations, yeah. and I realize that we're in a market that, and, and on a team that's been doing well, I always joke, you know, the, the biggest conversations in markets like Winnipeg is like, who's going to be right wing on the fourth line and who is the third pairing defenseman because everything else is there. And heck I'm here for it. We've been making a living off it for a long time, but I think it's important to kind of see the forest through the trees here, folks. And, you know, it is a season when you're talking about younger players that the emphasis on is not as much on the right now. Um, But I'm with you. I would love to see some of these younger guys before the end of the regular season get a chance to play in a few games. And I think that's what Shevel Dayoff was alluding to on Monday, Remus, because Mm -hmm. without a number of – without, you know, a guy that's going to bump a bunch of guys out of the top four coming in playing 20-plus a night – there may very well be the need to mix in some other defensemen based on play or injury. And if that's the case, Hainel is going to be at the top of the list, along with Ben that's coming over from Vancouver. And if that is the case, you certainly would like to have him have some live action in the regular season before um, any opportunity may come up in the, in the postseason.
2: Yeah, and I, we haven't really seen this in the NHL, but you see it a lot in the NBA. Load management. The playoffs are basically set. I saw Dom from The Athletic. He had his projections, and he has the Jets as the second-best team. He has them as, like, you know, over 90% chance to make the playoffs. Unless you know something happens with Vancouver, uh, they're set. Now, we saw in 2017, when they went to the Western Conference final, Hellbach, I think he kind of ran out of gas near the end. You've heard all season, the Jets playing a compressed schedule. Maurice said it today. They're playing all the last 17 to 22 to end the season on the road. You wonder if they, here and there, you know, they do rest some guys. Like, don't play, you know, Connor for a game, or Sid Ehlers out, or, or rotate Shifley. I mean, play Harkins. Get some of these guys in, because... Why are you running these guys into the ground? If- well,
1: here's when we're yeah. going to find this out, Reem. Uh, because, again, yeah. there's still a month left in the season, right? Um, you know, we've got, uh, we've got Ottawa tonight. And then it goes into seven or eight games against the Leafs and the Oilers. And I think that is going to be the lineup that, you know, that's it's the healthiest. That it will be the Maurice lineup that you can foreshadow to be the opening lineup of the playoffs. But I think depending on what happens when they get through, and Maurice himself has said he 's not even sure how important first place is right now, so depending on you know if the Leafs are within if the jets are within striking distance of the Leafs after those games, maybe that could change things. But when you look at that final week, week and a half of the regular season there 's games against calgary there 's games against ottawa there 's two more games against Vancouver. I think that is the time where you'll see some of the players that you mentioned getting rested maybe up on the forward groups um, as well as some of the guys that have played some big minutes on the back end this year, maybe making way to get a Ben a Ahenela into the lineup for a few games so that if they do get called upon in the playoffs, it hasn't been a month, a month and a half since some of them have played.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think those would be the times to do it. And someone said... In chat as well. I mean, uh, the playoffs are set, but seating hasn't. And look, like just two v three doesn't matter that much. Um, there's no home ice advantage. I think first you want to get you want to get the banner as well. But I think what's most important is to have everyone go in healthy, feeling a hundred percent. And I think you've seen teams do this in other leagues. You don't really see it as much in the NHL. We talk about Blake Wheeler. I mean, the guy hadn't he hadn't missed a game. He'd missed like one game, like the two seasons. They didn't, you know, they made the playoffs and had it locked up. They sat in the last game. Maybe you do that, start doing with more players because you're, you're seeing the NBA, their compressed schedule, guys are getting hurt. I don't think you've seen it as much with the Jets. As we mentioned, they've been just rocking the same lineup over and over.
1: It's been amazing. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there's been a lot of teams like that, that have not, I mean, there's, been, there's always a few significant injuries. Um, But for the most part, you know, at the end of this year, we'll get Mike back on. We'll talk to some of the guys because I have a feeling that per capita and per team, the amount of man games lost, at least legitimate man games lost, not teams, you know, using hiding guys on LTIR for whatever reason, but legitimate man games lost um, have been less this year. And I'm not sure whether that has anything to do with the the, the, I mean, I have a hard time imagining that the travel would affect injuries, but for the most part. I mean, it's certainly been some rougher games. There's been some more fighting, um, but I, I, my, my impression at least, and maybe this is being a little more Winnipeg centric because we've been talking about touch wood, how healthy the jets have been all year. Um, so it will be, uh, will be interesting. Um, couple others. Here's an interesting one from the Godfather, Mitch. If is Maurice concerned about Hanola's size or the overall defense's size, if Hanola goes in and Stanley comes out? I'll be honest and this goes back to kind of what we were talking about before Remus. I'm not sure I'm not sure Stanley's coming out, period to be honest. But if that does happen, I think it would be Ben coming in for Stanley in that position. Um or on that third pairing at least depending on what side they're going to be working with. I really think that Hanella comes in if there is an opportunity in that top 4. Um but, but maybe for a game or two, he'll come in in that. I guess the, the bottom line is there, you know, Maurice is a key, and he's talked about this at four. He's talked about roles. And um, I think the reason why they got Ben is they knew that they're going to need some big players to help clear out the front of the net. That's something I think Stanley still needs to get better at, despite his size. Um, but that's what they'll be counting on Ben. I'm not sure that that's, you know, Billy Hanel is strength, shall we say. Although, as we always say, it's a lot better. If Ville can get the puck and get it out of the zone, you don't need to spend a lot of time whacking guys in front of Connor Hellebuck because the puck's no longer in your zone, and you've got it to Kyle Connor or Mark Scheifele, and you're trying to score at the other end.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I I do think they like to play role. Like if, uh, like if Morrissey were to come out, they would probably put in Hainel. Out. But if Stanley's out, maybe they put in Ben. So I think if you were to put in Hainel, maybe it would be Poolman because – You know, if you go back to what I like to refer to all the time as the hockey bible, Nintendo ice hockey, you got medium guys, big guys, sort of medium, small guys, medium guys, fat guys. You know, Stanley's a fat guy. Hanel is a small guy. Hanel's probably going to go in for a small guy rather than uh, the big fat guy. And they do like to have their roles in the lineup. That's my, uh, you know
1: my general <laughs> yeah, the, the, back to the hockey.
2: nintendo nintendo ice N- yeah, hockey ehlers, uh, lineup distribution yeah you got ehlers small guy what with dubois medium guy. is dubois a medium guy stasny medium guy
1: uh yeah i guess yeah. i guess i mean who who are the big guys really wheeler is mean, a big guy wheeler, wheeler. Big guy. okay Lowry. we'll give wheeler that it was sort of like once when buff was on the team there was he, just one big guy and everyone else yeah. was medium in comparison but things have changed a little bit here's one from larry the sports guy do you think the Avs thought Makar would play that good? No. All he has to do is play better than the others. Um, to be honest, they did. I mean, like, Makar, they had been waiting. They tried to sign him the year before. Um, he decided to go back to school. He was clearly NHL-ready. And, I mean, as I said, they bop, they popped him into a playoff series to begin his NHL career. And I think in his first game, he played 22 or 23 minutes. I mean... Um, he was a finished product, and again, we're talking about a top five overall pick. Um, that was a real focus of the hockey club. So, um, the very different players, but I do think that you know, wh- once Philly Hanley gets to be a regular in the National Hockey League, we may look back and say, "Oh, it would have been nice to have this earlier on." Um, but I do think that there is, well, certainly, it doesn't matter what I think. I know the organization thinks there is a process to this of you know going from junior hockey, going to professional hockey, especially on the blue line. Um, you know, you can have an Andrew Cop that might come that'll, you know, just basically go straight to it. But for every Andrew Cop, there's a Mason Appleton or a Jansen Harkins that spends extensive amount of time in the American Hockey League doing it. I think it's even more certainly I know that they feel it's even more important for these defensemen to get lots of playing time as professionals before you put them in. Just I and mean, then the goal, of course, is to give them the best chance to succeed. Because I'll tell you what, if Billy Hainel had got put out there um, you know, in one of these games in a position where he really wasn't set up to succeed and he has a terrible run and then they pull him out, what does that do to his headspace going forward, his spot in the organization? Um, so listen, I know there's a lot of different viewpoints on it. At the end of the day, it's all fun to talk about, but there's only a couple that really matter and that's the head coach and the general manager. And yes, I do think they're probably pretty much on the same page after eight years of working together. Remo, let's get to these games for tonight. We actually have an afternoon game right now. Yeah. Uh, not too often you get a little Wednesday afternoon hockey, but uh, Wild and Coyote's going at it.
2: Yeah, I'm watching it right now. Um, they showed some sweet uh, Kaprazov movement. They just went into the, th- what, third period, end of the second period. I think Minnesota's winning. I mean, I was, I'm like, it's on. I'm not paying attention. It is yeah, three, 3 1. Th- 3 1 wild. It is 3 1 for the Wild, yes. Yeah, 3 1.
1: All right, other games tonight. couple games in the Canadian division. You've got the Jets, minus 179 favorites at the Ottawa Centers, plus 150. Of course, all of these lines from our great sponsor and partner at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, we'll hit the link with the bonus code and whatnot later on on Twitter. You can find us at always at Sports Talk WPG. Flames coming off that win in Toronto last night, beating their old goalie, big save Dave, plus 135 tonight. Montreal is minus 159. A couple of other interesting games. St. Louis, they need wins. <laughs> Tough call tonight, though. They're going to take on Kale McCarr and those Avalanche we were just talking about. Minus one eighty-five on the road for the Abs. Plus one fifty-five for the Blues. A little later on, Vegas and L.A. Anaheim and the San Jose Sharks. Um, baseball going on right now. We got an excellent game. Um, Tied late for the Blue Jays and the New York Yankees. We'll keep an eye on that one as we continue paying attention. A little bit later on, uh, this afternoon, actually, Reds and Giants. Boston Twins later on. Red Sox. Great start for the Red Sox, Remus. Who who had that? The, the AL East standings look almost upside down right now with the Red Sox. I think they lost their first three and rattled off seven in a row. They're plus 123 against the Minnesota Twins. I guess that is probably going to be a doubleheader yeah. as they make up for a lost game earlier on. Of course, the doubleheader is Little League-style,
2: now seven-inning games. Yeah, these new changes to baseball, um, I'm kind of into them, to be honest. I, know, I see people tweeting that they hate this extra inning, guys starting on second. Um, I've come around on it. Let's get these games done. We don't need, there's no reason to have guys playing into the 18th inning anymore. I mean, there's no reason that you're using your entire bullpen and screwing yourself for a week and having to throw position players, pitching. Let's end the games. Uh, I'm fine with that. In the playoffs, obviously, you're going extras. And yes, the, the Twins and the Red Sox doing a doubleheader. I don't know if you saw yesterday. I tweeted out the picture. I should really pull it up. They were playing in like a blizzard. Uh, it, was, it was coming down here. It was also coming down <laughs> to Minneapolis. I can't believe they finished this game. I got a, a DM on Twitter from Gregory. Who thought it was, like, against the law to be playing baseball in snow. I mean, I'll pull up the picture right now because yeah. uh, it was pretty rough. But, um, and, yeah, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, that game right now with the Twins and the Red Sox is 3-2 in the fourth inning. The Royals are up 2 nothing on the yeah. Angels. And the Brewers up five yep. zip on the Cubs. That there's was the yes, picture for those in the chat.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean you can't. I don't know how you even play like that, but somehow they figured it out. Yeah, they certainly did.
1: Got to get those games in after already missing one earlier this week due to everything that's unfortunately happening in and around mm. the Twin Cities. Um, there's another photo uh, that we need to yes. show, Remus. Your I wanna... <laughs> guest cameo on a very uh, a very interesting Jets Legends segment, folks. Did you see this, Remus? Tell us about this.
2: Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw the Jets Legends during the broadcast the other night, but we talked with Kyle Harry last week. This Jets legend it's like 30 for 30, but for the Jets, it's like, they it sounds like they did, what, 10 or 20, 10 for TSN, uh, five-minute features of the first 10 years of the Jets. Is I think
1: he said there's like 28 episodes yeah. all together or so, something like well, that.
2: If you binged all of them, that's basically like a full-feature documentary on the Jets, which is super cool. But anyways, I'm honored. To have made a cameo in the one that was shown last game. Uh, it was about the Jets jersey unveiling. Or uh, was about, I think it was about the summer of 2011. Yeah, it was the summer of 2011. Yeah. The
1: name, the draft, yeah. and then showing off the new jerseys so, uh, out at
2: uh, the RCAF base. Okay, so I'm going to play this. Everyone in chat, pay attention. It's going to be quick, but I'm in there. And uh so it's gonna be gonna be quick. Okay, are you you're gonna miss it if you blink. So here it is. Data unveil it.
0: The creation of the jersey there, was there, was, there. was magical. There. Data. <laughs> unveil second. We'll do it again. The creation okay. of the jersey there. was was, there was...
2: <laughs> Okay, there it is. So now, do you have
1: the do you have the the, the picture with it circled? Because I don't I, know how many people were really gonna be able to pick you
2: out. Could you pick me out? You picked me out, but uh, I did. Here's the picture. Here's the picture. Uh so there's me standing. <laughs> I got my <laughs> I was taking pictures. It was so cool to be there. Uh, I was taking pictures of everything. Um, What you can tell, I'm standing. I was taking a picture before. I got the uh, camera backpack sling on. I'm all dressed up in my suit and dress shirt. Uh, It was was a pretty cool moment. I interviewed Eric Ferrer after, the guy who made the jersey from, um, who did the Was it Reebok. Uh, was the jersey maker then? Yeah, at the time. So, so there I am. You can see it. I'm in for like two seconds, but I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. I saw it on Tuesday. I'm like, hey, there I am. I knew that. I knew it was you because you had your
1: patented one-strap camera bag. And yeah. uh, by the way, Sean's headband is in with us. Shout out to Sean's headband, a regular on the Kenny and Rennie uh, post-game stream. And Sean very correctly mentioned that while we were watching the Blizzard um, scene in Minnesota, we missed an obvious opportunity to plug Nick and Nikki DQ with their four locations here in Winnipeg. Yeah, so, DQ Don,
2: very key, very key on that. I just right walk now. around the house, DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, <laughs> DQ St. Anne's, they're open all year round now, and of yep. course, DQ Polo Park with the Orange Julius. If you're, if you're into the malls, if you're into the mall, I had
1: the Orange Julius, actually, when I went by and saw Nick at, uh, at Northgate. I have not had a Julius in a long, long time. It was awesome. I don't think I'm not sure what one. the difference between a Julius and a smoothie is. I think it's somewhere in between. But anyways, it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, so just just quickly wrapping up. Coolbet lines. Coolbet.com. Um, and again, if you want to get in on it, check out our Twitter feed at Sports Talk Winnipeg or WPG, excuse me. And uh, we'll have the daily lines today as well as a link. If you want to, uh, if you want to get on it, um, yeah. So will if- back-to-back games. LB tonight, presumably Hellebuck tomorrow, and then the Oilers on Saturday night. Um, not a lot of off days for uh, either the
2: players or the fans of the Winnipeg Jets. No, and we have a great show coming up tomorrow. Uh, I saw what Sh- Sean Reynolds' headband in chat. Well, Sean Reynolds, no, he's not coming on. His partner, yeah.
1: Sean Reynolds was supposed to come on, but both Sean and his headband are going to be in the air tomorrow um, when we're on. Heading out to Calgary, I believe, for some Hockey Net in Canada work, I assume. So um, it won't be Rennie. It'll be Kenny. Uh, And they'll come on. We'll talk about what they've got coming up after the game. Um, And, of course, i got to give a shout-out to all the guys, kind of our local crew here that has emerged in the aftermath of uh, what happened on the 9th of February. Um, Because, man, it sure has been fun listening to um, Ezra and Dave and, of course, I see Drew after the games. And it's pretty cool. They go for a while, and then they sort of hand it off to Kenny and Rennie, and those guys get going, and then uh, we're here every day in the afternoon to talk all about it and uh, welcome those guys onto the program. So, um, you know, we'll see. I have a feeling. Here's a prediction. Paul Maurice will be less agitated tonight after yeah. the game than he was after last game and I'll tell you what he better be because if he's that agitated tonight that'll mean the Jets had a very poor game and I think everyone expecting the team to be quite a bit better tonight before going in to take another shot at the first place Leafs tomorrow with the ACC.
2: Yeah, I was looking at uh Sean head- Sean's headband wants to you bring up uh you know you've not brought up how you bet on Taylor Hall's a score. Both of his oh. line mates scored yesterday but he d- he did not. You um. know
1: what? He Listen, Taylor Hall, this is just another story of Taylor Hall being one of the biggest disappointments in hockey. And I unfortunately I I played the role of the Buffalo Sabres last night being disappointed. I they invested 8 million in Taylor Hall and got 2 goals. I invested 20 in Taylor Hall and got 0 goals. I think I lose less than Buffalo did from what happened this yeah. year. But I will tell you, I tuned in. I was sort of paying attention to that game seeing if he was going to score followed about the last eight minutes online and then watched the overtime. And Hall did have a few chances. And he had a great chance in overtime that, you know, unfortunately was saved. And uh, it didn't happen. Um, But that was one of my only whiffs yesterday. If you watch the lock shop, you did quite well. I had Washington, who walked all over Philadelphia. Philly didn't even show up for that game. The underdog pick was the Royals, who, by the way, I haven't mentioned this. We talked about this off air. For you baseball fans... An absolutely bizarre ending to the Royals-Angels game. And normally it's kind of fun, but especially when... And, I mean, I've been killing it with these underdog picks in the lock shop. So I'm really emotionally invested, even if I don't have money in them, because I wanted to keep the really good record. So my Royals are up 3-2. I won't bore you, but Otani gets on. Trout strikes out. It ends up being bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth. Royals up by one. Um... The batter comes up, two strikes right away on Holland. And then he puts one into the dirt. Wild pitch. It bounces up and it hits Salvador Perez in the shoulder and base on his left shoulder and shoots right. At which point, the runner on third thinks, I got to get home. Unfortunately for the runner at home, the ball went off Salvi's shoulder right into the nuts of the batter. Deading the ball, Perez picked it up, and the four time All Star rips it to third for a walk off pickoff and another win in the dog pound for yours truly. So it was a bizarre ending to the game. It was a great win, and then finished it off with the Giants at night uh, over the Reds. So, um, listen, the Taylor Hall thing didn't go my way. Everything else did yesterday, though. I'll be back at it tonight on Cool Bet, and uh, we'll see. Do yeah. you have any leans on these games tonight, Reem? Is there, is there a game one that maybe sticks out to you? I'm staying away from this Jets game. As I said, we like the Jets when they're underdogs, which is most all other games. Maybe stay away from the team tonight against the Ottawa Senators. Calgary looked pretty good. This Calgary-Montreal game, I think, is quite interesting because I know Calgary, for all intents and purposes, is done. But at least they'll give themselves and their fans a little bit of hope that they can go back-to-back beating Toronto and Montreal. And then everyone will be saying, oh, where the hell was this for the last couple months when you could have salvaged the season?
2: Yeah, I'm very in on Montreal tonight. Uh, they're getting UL Armia back, Jake Allen starting in goal. Um, Calgary played yesterday, got the emotional overtime win. Uh, I, I don't think the odds are great on Montreal, but um, I do like them to win. But I, I've liked Montreal a lot. It hasn't, hasn't worked as well. And uh, Guy Wood says Jets are money. I like the Jets too, but this is like the only team the Jets can be favored against, Ottawa.
1: Yeah, well, and as I think, can't remember who it was that said, you know, the number is not that good on Cool Bet. Um, if you, I'm just going to look right now, uh, by decimals, it's 1.56. So, I mean, they're a heavy favorite. Uh, Ottawa's a big underdog every single night that they play. Um, and they've burned a lot of people this year with a lot of wins, much like they did on Monday. Um, So we'll see. The big favorites tonight, Winnipeg, Colorado, Vegas, and the San Jose Sharks. Uh, But I'll tell you what, if you were on the favorites, you got killed on Monday uh, because the Jets' big favorites lost, the Leafs' big favorites lost, and Carolina lost to Detroit. Um, So who knows? Maybe they'll come back. But either way, one thing I know, we will definitely be back. And uh, tomorrow, Remus, a couple special guests. It will be Kenny instead of Rennie Mm. and... Former Winnipeg Jet and correspondent Jets contributor, shall I say, on CJOB for the pre and post game show, Grant Clitsum joining tomorrow.
2: Yeah, I got his uh, rookie card right here, signed. <laughs> there it is, number. <laughs> it's numbered. I, that's a signed Clitty right there, folks. Number, numbered, numbered one fourteen or one ninety nine. That's right. So uh, we're gonna ask him about how he signed uh, all these, like signed okay. two hundred. That's got to hurt the hand, so...
1: <laughs> Jeff has he should have just got a couple of DQ burgers instead of betting on Hall. Uh, pretty much. I, I should have. It was worth the risk, though. We see so many times that the guy in the first game scores, add in it was against his old team, it almost just it, seemed like it was yeah. supposed to happen. It was The guy to. that almost scored Remo was Bjork. I mean, he had... They should have won that game last night on his stick, and I guess he's just getting used to being a Buffalo Saber, not making the most of those opportunities. A disappointing, uh, a disappointing ends. Oh yeah, Mitch W. Hockey Talk hashtag New Guy. He'll always be New Guy to Rick, Ralph, and listeners of the old Rona Roundtable. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. He's yeah. He's still New Guy. Uh, You know, he was the first uh, one of the first new guys that they brought in at the trade deadline. I think it was a waiver pickup, signed a three-year deal, had to retire due to some uh, back injuries, but Grant's uh, you know, done some nice work in his post-hockey career. He's got a cider company. Uh, I think he got his master's. He's involved in a number of businesses, so it'll be great to talk hockey with Grant. And maybe we can talk cider, hus. I know he's got a well, cider could, company.
1: I don't care as much about the cider, although we will ask him. I'm sure he'd like us to do that. But you know, you've got that signed, Clitty card, numbered card, I, I want to know the process for these players as to when they actually sign these things. You know, like, do they have to go in, especially the rookies? Um, it's, and the rookie, it's, 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 it's and, worth a lot of money. Yeah, so maybe you get drafted and they come in and you sign things and then they put it on the cards. Anyways, I'm interested in that whole process. The Earl of Eli can probably just answer all those questions for us, but we'll ask Cliddy, who actually was a guy that did the signing of those cards. And uh, we'll talk Jets. He's been covering the team all year long, contributing to the CGOB shows. So we'll be looking forward to having Grant on the program. And Ken Weeb's going to join us mm. early in the program. We'll get his thoughts on the Ottawa game tonight look ahead to the Leafs tomorrow, find out what he and Sean have coming up, and uh, and much, much more. Um, Rimo, this is probably a good time to get out. We'll get these pods
2: up and uh, check out the uh, ninth inning of this Jays Yankees game that's still very much up in the air. Yeah, they're tied 4-4. Uh, it's top nine, so yeah, we'll definitely turn that on and get the podcasts up, and I'll uh, have a little lunch, maybe uh, get some water after we've been talking for two hours, but this has been so much fun. I love this uh, end of the show, the last like oh, yeah. 40 minutes. We've literally just been sat here, uh, people are shouting out stuff uh, in the chat, and if you are enjoying it at all, hit the like button, and uh, yeah, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. We're closing in, I think, 3,600, so uh appreciate everyone coming out. I know we're all, everyone's passionate about the Jets, and you love to see that.
1: Yeah, no, we certainly do, and we appreciate the support, especially of the hardcores that are with us live every day here in YouTube. We appreciate everyone downloading the podcast and listening to it on their own time as well. Uh, but it really makes it so much more fun to have y'all with us uh, here. And I will tell you, I mean, the one other thing that you can do, um, and this is sort of a big way why I think we had such a big splash when we started, um, is people just telling their friends that this is happening. Um, you know, marketing, you know, with us, you know, we've got a good Twitter following and whatnot. There's a lot of people that maybe aren't in these, on these streets of the internet that might not see this and know that it's all there Um, so if there's someone that maybe hasn't downloaded a podcast before let them know how easy it is show them what to do on the phone you just press this subscribe it's free and then bang every day when the guys have done it it's going to be up in your phone and you can listen to it when you walk the dog or go for your walk bike ride whatever it is so uh, yeah just simply folks spread the word we love the support we really appreciate it Um, and I hope you all enjoy the game tonight and hopefully we'll have a happy. A happier coach and a happier fan base after tonight's game against the Ottawa Senators. Remote, great job as always, especially dropping that umlaut on Stutzel's name and the ticker. That's first class, folks. To everyone in the chat, thanks to you. Thanks to Mike Kelly and Jeff Feinberg, and of course our great sponsors: Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, and Nick and Nikki DQ, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet, and our friends out at Aiken's Lake Wilderness Lodge. Just on the way out. Uh, a lot of the Americans aren't going to be able to get across for their normal bookings. June, traditionally the most popular time of the year to get to Aikens. Um, so there will be some openings. If you want to do a little staycation with some world-class fishing here in Manitoba, give Pitt and the gang a call. Find them online at Akinslake.com or hit them up on Twitter at Akens Lake. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks to y'all for being with us. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.
0: Oh my God! Oh! shut it down oh, no. let's go home. thanks
3: for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com